following is a presentation of the Outside Lens Radio Network. Recording live from Studio Shanto, outside of Detroit, Michigan, you're listening to Scotty Freytown and Tyler Dean, The Outside Blitz. And welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Outside Blitz. I am your host, the fabulous one, Scotty Freytown, along with my co-host, the tenacious, titillating Tyler Dean. And Tyler, why are you wearing that Ravens shirt? They're not in the Super Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> Just wearing my stuff. Yeah. We are, what, what, two days away from the Super Bowl? It is a, or three days. Three days. Yeah, three days. Yeah. yeah we, we still got to get through Thursday here, but recording this on, on a Thursday here. Uh, just before the bowl, we wanted to get it in because... Tomorrow, I'm heading up north to the Steel Boys, so we wanted to, to and shout out to Alex and Andrew. Uh, super excited to see you guys. Big Super Bowl Sunday coming up. Bucks and Chiefs, we're getting all fired up for that. Tyler, are you doing anything special? No, I'm just going to hang out watch the game. Oh, uh, yeah. You're, you're like the most boring old man trapped in a young man's body. I'm chasing a one-year-old around. Yeah, you're, well, exactly. You're like, eh. It's like a grandparent chasing him around. <laughs> My back hurts. No, but well, we're excited for the Super Bowl. We've got uh, a lot of news around the league. The biggest news uh, came earlier this week, um, and and it, well, yeah, I guess it was early. Was it earlier this week? It was kind of over Saturday. The, yeah, over the weekend, really. Um, so, like, had we recorded last Saturday, we would have missed it. Oh yeah, um, and I, I'm, that's why I'm sort of glad we didn't because it was such a big deal. But uh, let's jump right into it, Tyler. We got to talk about it. Matt Stafford traded to the Rams. For Jared Goff, a 2021 third rounder, a 2022 first rounder, and a 2023 first rounder, um, and so the the I want to talk about first of all. Let me just point out the Lions committed highway robbery. Even without even if you take Goff out of the equation, it's still highway. Yeah, robbery. a highway robbery. You you traded away an aging, declining Matthew Stafford, and you got a haul. And I and I won't even say declining yet, but he's on he's on the cusp of declining. Right. I mean, like, well, he's he's gone out as of this year. He jumped out of the top ten quarterback discussion. He was ranked at number twelve. Uh, and and but the the thing about this is is the Lions land Jared Goff as their starting quarterback moving into the following season. Jared Goff just two years ago was playing in a Super Bowl. Yeah, and and that's a big thing. But my concern is Jared Goff to me is more of a game manager who's had a very good offense. So right. I think he's going to struggle in. And see exactly what Stafford's been dealing with. Stafford's going to have a land of riches now, right? And and it, the the question is, is going to arise. You know, which quarterback is going to be? A lot of people are questioning Jared Goff, and a lot of people, you know, there's there's a split there's a split audience there. Some people in the in the Lions world are like, ah, oh, yeah, Jared Goff, we wanted him back in the day, and now we got him, and I'm excited, and he was just playing a Super Bowl. And then you go and and you have that other crowd that's like, oh, we should have never traded Stafford. But the thing is, is when you see the haul that they got back, and and when I say a haul, I mean a haul. You got two first rounders and a third. Even without Jared Goff, like you said, it's huge. To I, I think you turn around and trade Jared Goff. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if, it, by, by the time you're out of your rebuild, Jared Goff's going to be over thirty anyway. Yep. I mean, you you look at this situation though. This sets up the the Lions for the first time 
in in with a, a very bright future. They got several. I mean, that means in the next two years they're gonna like after this draft. In the next two years, they're gonna have four first round picks going into. The, I mean, that's that's a big deal. And you don't know what the Rams are gonna do. Those those even if those draft picks are low first round, you're still gonna wind up getting getting a good return on them. You're still gonna wind up getting good a good selection here. So I mean I I for the Lions' sake I mean I'm excited for the Lions you know I mean if I'm the, in good shape yeah if I'm a Lions fan I'm fired up and and we we heard rumors of the Jared Goff uh, um, Sean McVay uh, thing going on so, but Jared Goff did come out and say he's thankful that he's going to an organization that appreciates him which that's kind of a huge deal when it comes from the Rams well, it's gonna situation. Be a, it's going to be a downward swing for a while. Yeah. <laughs> He's, they, they don't, they're not going to have a lot of weapons over there. They're really not. Um, uh, I, Kenny Galladay still got to get signed to a new contract. Marvin Jones is going to free agency. They're going to need to make some more moves, but this, this one is, is a move in the right direction for the future of the Detroit Lions. Um, now, because of the Stafford trade, because of what occurred uh, with with Matthew Stafford uh, moving over to the Lions, or I'm sorry, moving over to the Rams rather, and the Lions getting such a haul, it, it was kind of funny how it stood. Because of the haul that the Lions got, the Vikings started having rumors swirling that Kirk Cousins was possibly getting traded. Um, a, a tweet went out earlier in the week from a guy, and I, I think his name is Eric Massey. Um, but he, he sent a trade or a, a thing out saying Kirk Cousins is it, you know, Vikings are in discussions with the 49ers for trading Kirk Cousins. Um, and, and this became a huge deal. Now, a lot of it got kind of sort of debunked, I guess, in a way Schefter came out saying, uh, and Ian Rappenport came out and saying, oh, no, I don't, I don't see this happening or whatever the case may be. And then another one surfaced saying the Vikings got an offer from the Niners for Jimmy G a second rounder and a fourth rounder to get Kirk Cousins sent over to the Niners. So I like the idea of Kirk Cousins going out the door. Okay, and I, I believe that the Vikings should be trading Kirk Cousins at this point, especially with the haul you got for Matt Stafford. Yes. Yeah, it'll it'll be less for Cousins, um quite a bit. Based on the contract, I think I think that's the case, but here's the problem. Kirk Cousins was the better quarterback last year. He's also had a significantly better offense. Uh, yeah, and but Kirk Cousins was the better quarterback last year, according to according to the statistics, according to all the metrics. Kirk Cousins was the better quarterback. He ranked number nine. Stafford, Stafford, or I'm sorry, Stafford. There we go. Ranked number twelve. Now, here's my thing. So I I went on to to Twitter this week. My fucking mistake for that. My God. So I go on to Twitter and I I point out yes, Vikings should be trading Kirk Cousins. And a lot of people were, were, you know, posting statistics on there. Oh, well, he was ranked number nine, and look at all these numbers, and look at everything he's done, and da-da-da-da. Well, that's great. I'm not saying that Kirk Cousins... I mean, let me just point this out. The problem is not Kirk Cousins' play. That's no, not the problem not to me. The problem is you have a team that's $9 million over the cap. This is not rocket science, folks. This is simple math. You are $9 million over the cap. The salary cap is about to drop probably from 198 to 185. Now I had some jackass on there saying, "Oh, well, we don't know what the cap's going to be last year." Motherfucker, it's not going up. I last I checked, it's not going up. 
And and so it's actually going down by about $13 million. And you're already nine over with it being at 198.2. So what the fuck are we talking about here? So now we're talking about here, well, let, let's keep Kirk Cousins around when we're $9 million over the cap, and then we're going to put another 13 onto it. So so here, let's be 22 over the cap. Well, what the hell? What, are these people high? Are they nuts? So then we got Kirk Cousins uh, uh, up for grab. I'm saying the problem isn't, isn't his play. The problem is his cap hit. Well, he's getting paid fairly for a quarterback. I don't fucking care. We're $9 million over. Put that in your head. Nine million over. I couldn't give two shits about about Kirk Cousins, uh, uh, his play. I couldn't give two shits about the fact that he's paid fairly. That's not the question. The question is: Is this team over the cap? Yes, we are. Yes, and we still have to go into the draft, and we still have to pay cap space out in our rookie reserve. And newsflash: We don't have any. And now people are going, oh, well, well, Kirk, Kirk is a good player. He just needs an offensive line. Well, let me see here. You have Kirk Cousins getting paid $31 million. His contract cripples this team financially. Right now it is. Whether or not he's paid fairly is irrelevant. His contract is crippling the team financially. So what are we going to do? We need to get the guy on offensive line, right? I mean, am I wrong, Tyler? We no, need to get... but you can't afford the offensive line. Bingo! Yahtzee! So what the fuck? So now we're talking about, okay, well, we need to get the guy a, an offensive line. Great. We need to get him an offensive line, but we can't afford it. So then we start talking. I go, we need these significant parts. So we have to make moves. So they, some people ask me, oh, what, what moves do you need to make, Scott? What moves would you make? Well, here's the moves I'd make. First of all, we need well, well, what what parts do we need Scott well here's the parts you need you need number 1 a corner you need a shutdown corner okay so here's a problem though so people said oh oh one guy came back oh Cameron Dantzler was a shutdown corner this year we don't need a new starting corner Cameron Dantzler was shut down okay okay Cameron Dantzler was shut down right Tyler are you ready for this here are you ready mm-hmm. here here Week one, okay, week one, Cameron Dantzler goes up against, and, and you'll see the trend when I point it out. Cameron Dantzler allows Devont, uh, Aaron Rodgers to Devontae Adams, 7 for 7, 81 yards and a touchdown. Okay, touchdown came right at the end of the first half in that week one game. Week two and three, he doesn't play, he's hurt. Week four, he goes up against Houston. He, 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 first he, took, he started the game covering Brandon Cooks in that game. And then he switched over to, he did a really good job. He kept Cooks down to zero catches for zero yards. He did a really great job on two targets. But then he goes and switches over to Will Fuller. Will Fuller, he gives up three catches, including a 25-yard bomb for a touchdown, and then they move him off of Will Fuller. 52 yards on three catches. So then he goes to the Seahawks. He gets placed on DK Metcalf. Allows 90 yards and a touchdown. 90-plus. Week six, he goes against the Falcons. He's faced off with Julio Jones. 90-plus yards and a touchdown against Julio Jones. Week seven, we had the bye, and he, he didn't practice. He, he took on the Packers. He got hurt or did not play. Week eight, week nine, week ten, didn't play, right? Got the concussion. Then you go to week 11. 
Dallas, he's covered by he, who's he covering in the, that Dallas game? He he shut down the Dallas guys, but who'd he cover? Michael Gallup and Dalton Schultz. It's a big difference from Devontae Adams with not back. Yeah, with Andy Dalton at the at the helm. Then you go to Week Twelve. It goes against Curtis Samuel and Trent Cannon. He was literally covering a running back, and people want to tell me he shut down. So then we go to Week Fourteen. So. Here's a, here's a, a note about this one, and I had to put this down. And and it's funny if you if you actually go on, uh, you can just and I, I say, turn on your Google machine and check it out. So Tampa Bay, he covers Chris Godwin. Chris Godwin finished the year with 840 yards and seven touchdowns. So Godwin, he didn't even break a thousand this year. But let's note, Godwin in and he he shut down Godwin for like 25 yards in that game. But here's the note. Godwin had several plays, and it's funny, it's in the highlight reel, where he was wide open, and Tom Brady had a bad, had bad, several bad throws that went right over his head, where he was wide open due to Cameron Dantzler blowing his coverage. It would have resulted in a much bigger day for Chris Godwin, well over 100 yards, including one pass that was 30 yards down the field with, that would have resulted in Godwin legging it into the end zone for another 30. It was just bad. It was bad coverage. In week 15, he goes against Chicago and he covers Darnell Mooney, who finished the season with 631 and four touchdowns. He's a rookie. Week 16, he gives up three for three passes to fucking Troutman of the Saints. 100%. And then he didn't play in week 17. Additionally, he was terrible in run support. So Cam Dantzler is, is shut down. Cam Dantzler can't keep up with number one receivers. He's a number two corner. I'll just put it that way. So I don't want to hear a fucking word about how we don't need a shutdown corner. And then you, he was terrible in run support on top of it. And then we explore our other corners. Jeff Gladney had a 50.1 PFF grade. Let's just leave it at that. You need to go to Mike Hughes. He was constantly hurt, and he has been his entire career. Chris Jones, he had a 46 PFF grade. Thank God that turd is a free agent this year. And then Holton Hill, he was so bad he was cut in the middle of the season. So, And I had to sit me through the offseason last season, sitting around going, or this past offseason was, these, these schmucks on Twitter sat there and, oh, Mike Hughes is a starting corner. And Hughes and Hill are great. They're going to be great starters in this league. Bullshit. You need a shutdown corner. You need to go into free agency, get a shutdown corner, and make it happen. And then they go, oh, what else do we need, Scott? What else? What else? Well, we need a guard. We need a guard because that were that was our biggest deficiency on our offensive line. Our interior blocking was bad. And then these idiots have the audacity to go and hang Garrett Bradbury out to dry on that when realistically it was Dakota Dozier and Drew Samia shit in the bed all year long. Why in the hell was Dakota Dozier starting at offensive guard when Brett Jones was on the team and had a good PFF grade and played better statistically? Why? Makes no sense. So they go, oh, well, we had Riley Reef at tackle, uh, and, and I said, we, you need to cut Riley Reef. And you drafted Ezra Cleveland. You drafted this young kid. Ezra Cleveland's a good tackle. Okay. So I said, kick Ezra Cleveland out to tackle. Cut Riley Reef. It saves 11.7 on the cap. It's smart. That's just smart math there. You, you, with only a $2 million dead cap hit, you're saving 11.7. Riley Reef needs to go. I like Riley Reef. 
He's been a good tackle for us, but it's time. So I, I, they said, well, Ezra starting at guard is really good. He was fine at guard. You should just leave him at guard. Okay, well, let's talk about Ezra at guard. Run blocking wise, Ezra Cleveland was very good. He had a 67.5 PFF grade. He was really, really impressive. But then you look at his pass blocking grade. And that's where we fell apart the most often on our offensive line, is the pass blocking on the interior of the line. And his pass blocking game was a 52.0 as far as his pass blocking grade. Additionally, he allowed five sacks throughout the season. Now, Dakota Dozier only had a 44.6 PFF grade. His pressures were 7.7% is what he allowed. Ezra Cleveland's pressures allowed? 7%. I got a newsflash for you. Neither of them is very good in pass blocking on the interior of this line. Now, I did it even further, and, and also just while we're at it, Drew Samia, 33.7 PFF grade, Brett Jones, 77.6, but he's going to be a free agent this year. So tell me we don't need a guard, and I'll tell you you're high. But I did an even further deep dive. And Tyler, I'm almost done, and I'm sorry, but I this pissed me off. Yeah, this should have been saved for about five weeks from now. Yeah, well, this pissed me off, but I it needed to be saved, but at the same time, I couldn't save it because these people are too fucking stupid, and I I wanted to point this shit out. So then, here we are. I, I look at the draft grade for Ezra, Ezra Cleveland or his, his draft uh, um, profile. Lights out performances with his his combine. He's an athletic freak. He's got great athleticism. He can match and shut down every all the edge rusher ushers, all the edge rushers when he played at Boise State. And and he didn't go up against the most elite edge rushers when he played there, but when he did, he still matched them and shut them down. He posted a pass block grade above 81.0 in all three of his years starting at Boise State, which is consistently above the 85th percentile amongst tackles. Now, Let's listen to his biggest cons. As you can see above, Cleveland threw up an impressive 30 reps on the bench press at the Combine, but he doesn't play as strong as that on the field. He never wowed you with dominant reps against group of five competition, and as the PFF draft guide notes, he has a thin frame that's lacking strength that you like in the lower half. What exactly does a guard need to be a good, an effective blocker on the interior? Strength in the fucking lower half against these big defensive tackles. You put him against an edge rusher, you put him against those stronger ends, he's going to be good. He has the ability to match. He has good lateral movement. But you put him at guard, he's going to get pushed around by these defensive tackles in pass protection. So what the fuck are we talking about, people? So here we are. We start talking about this Kirk Cousins move, and people are just throwing numbers at me. Well, that's great that you're throwing these stats at me. I like Kirk Cousins' stats. I like Kirk Cousins if he's going to be cap-friendly, if he's going to be team-friendly. But right now, you fucking idiots. Newsflash. We're $9 million over the fucking cap and about to be more. So shut up, get your head out of his ass, and let's fucking get rid of the guy so we can get some draft capital and focus on this team's future. And I wouldn't even be mad if Jimmy G came over to the Vikings, I wouldn't even be mad. But because Jimmy G, at least if you do cut him, it's only 2.8 off the off the dead cap. So that way, because if you trade Cousins now, you have to pay him $20 million this this year 
He he. So he, he drops that that cap hit, eleven million dollars, and then the following year you don't pay him anything. What the fuck? So these and this is these are these situations where I can't relate to Vikings fans. This is my fellow Vikings fans. I just can't relate relate to them. It's much similar to the point where you go into these fucking discussions with these Ravens fans on Twitter and Facebook. Are they? Uh, they don't wear a helmet, do they? Like what the fuck? Like I, I've seen you come over here like these fucking Ravens fans, man. I don't. Well, I, I don't think it's, it's, get it's it. across the board. Most people are morons. Like I, I just, it's, it's just illogical. I, I just, I don't get it. And and it's like the the Vikings fans they get fixated on these one player, this one player that that is undeserving of the position he's in, and they they just think he's God. I, I can't tell you how many times for the last three years I've heard about how great Case Keenum is. And how great Kyle Sloter was. What the fuck? Kyle Sloter played the preseason. He didn't even make a start. What the hell are we talking about? Now he's a third stringer for the Lions. On the brink of getting cut. But Kyle Sloter should have been a starter in 2019. Give me a break. That's my rant. Sorry. Speaking of the Vikings, Kyle Rudolph said he's not interested in taking a pay cut. He may wind up being released after this season. He's a guy that needs to go five point one million off the cap if you do cut him. That's an easy move. You got you got you got young tight end Smith there. Time to rock him. And you know what? As far as Irv Smith and and Conklin goes, they had watching the two of them at the end of the season. There was this like threatening dual tight end deal, and I'm not going to sit here and say it was like Gronk or Hernandez, but. Irv Smith and Tyler Conklin together looked very, very effective against a lot of these teams going into the last four games of the season. Well, Kyle Rudolph was hurt, or um, I think he had a COVID protocol situation. They look great. I think it's a smart move. You save the 5.1 on the cap, you move on. Uh, he said he's not interested in taking the the uh, pay cut. I'm worth every penny. Well, your stats say otherwise. You only had 300 yards and a, and a touchdown this year. I mean, what the fuck? Um, teams have started calling the Eagles about a potential trade for uh, QB Carson Wentz. Uh, the Eagles, as of right now, expect Wentz to return next year, but have started fielding other offers. Um, Wentz requested a trade at the end of the regular season. Tyler, what do you make of it? Is Wentz I, going? They should. I mean, Wentz is still a starter in this league, and if you're not going to commit to him, then it's time to move on. It, but Wentz is still a starter in this league and, and should be. Yeah, he's got a big contract. Um, I know that they they seemed pretty focused on Jalen Hurts at the end of the season. It seems like the team was sort of rallying around Jalen Hurts. I don't know that Jalen Hurts is is necessarily a starter. To be I honest, agree. I, I I I thought he did okay. He did. He did okay. But okay but, at best. Yeah. I, I but I I I don't think it was anything to write home about. And I really I didn't like Jalen Hurts when he got drafted. Um, but Carson Wentz, you know, uh, he. I think, to be honest with you, if I had to, to give you a potential uh, destination for him, I'm thinking Indianapolis might be the spot. Um, that that seems like like someone who's been repeatedly talked about as being interested in old Carson there. But at the same time, and, and this is another thing, uh, the, the Colts quarterback Jacob Eason says he's ready to start for the Colts if they give him a chance. I they like should. I like Jacob Eason, and given their cap situation, I don't think you you, you trade the, the draft capital to get get a quarterback. Give Eason a chance, right? And if he if he fails, then you then you do the draft capital. Exactly, and and the thing about Jacob Eason right now is is that that 
uh, cap hit is just so low. Mm-hmm. It it's it would keep them down. I mean, his cap hit I think is only two million this year. I mean, that's that's nothing. You just dumped Philip Rivers. You saved twenty five. Now you really got a lot of wiggle room. And and the, I I forget what the cap number is, but it's it's pretty decent for the Colts moving into this this season, this off season. They have a good opportunity here. I think give the kid a shot, hope for the best. If it doesn't work out, then you can move forward and start start working on your next quarterback of the future. But ultimately, you've already got your starting quarterback on that team, I think. And he got to sit behind one of the greatest of all time. I mean, or one of the all-time greats in yep. Phillip Rivers. I mean, give the kid a chance. Yeah, give him a shot. That, that's what I'm. That's where I'm at. But Wentz could be going out the door. Um, despite the rumors, Falcons are not expected to trade Matt Ryan this offseason. Matt Ryan said he uh, won't be standoffish if the team drafts a quarterback. So... Matt Ryan, um, you and I were talking about this on the last show about the possibility of Matt Ryan and Julio Jones both possibly going out the door in Atlanta um, as cap casualties. It's kind of like what this says to me is it's kind of leaning toward Julio, but the it seems to be that way, or, or it, it kind of it's been leaning towards neither. Yeah, and and I see we talked about the cap hit too for for Julio Jones to get either traded or released, and Julio Jones. Um, I mean, his cap hit, his dead cap money for that, for getting rid of him is still pretty freaking high. Uh, I don't know that, that, uh, I don't know that, that it would be a good move for them to dump either of those guys until maybe like after this season when the cap hits are lower, but, uh, they're talking about drafting their QB of the future. So you might see, I don't think they're going to, they're going to dump Matt Ryan out the door. I don't think they're going to trade him, but it could wind up being an interesting situation uh, moving into next season, especially if they draft their QB of the future. Because um, well, you kept on. saying about about uh, Lawrence possibly dropping to uh, Detroit. I'm talking about Atlanta getting them and having them sit behind Ryan for a year or two. Oh, wow. You, what, Lawrence dropping? Really? Well, you're the one that says Lawrence going to make it all the way to Detroit. I think he's going to make it to Detroit because they have Matt Ryan there. Um, I and And... But Matt Ryan's not the future. He's he's over thirty. He's on his way. No, no. If if Lawrence he's older than Stafford, if Lawrence drops to Atlanta, it wouldn't surprise me if Atlanta took him, given the age of Matt Ryan. I wouldn't be completely surprised. Um, but I I don't know. I I think they have other glaring needs on this football team. To be defense? honest, yeah, their defense is miserable, and they traded a lot of pieces away too. One thing they didn't trade away, they did hire a former QB. T.J. Yates is their new passing game coordinator. Um, okay with that. Yeah, it's kind of an interesting little situation in Atlanta because their their passing game has never been the problem. Nope. Yeah, you know, it's 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 never been the issue. But uh, TJ Yates, he's been around for a, a while, and it's cool to see him getting coaching gigs um, after having such a, a troubled career. I guess we'll we'll call it troubled. I mean, it's not like it's law trouble or anything like that. But and that's why I say that a uh, guy know. like Josh McCown is is a lot more coveted than uh, T.J. Yates. Yeah, yeah, and and T.J. Yates, uh, he he used to play for for the Texans. But speaking of the Texans, uh, Nick Casario, the Texans general manager, says he has zero interest in trading Deshaun Watson. Um, and then in return, Watson said he's prepared to hold out if he's traded by the Texans, or if he's not traded by the Texans, rather. Uh, Houston's asking price is apparently three first-rounders and one or two star defensive players. I think you're asking the for The last a lot. I heard was two first, two seconds, and two starters. Golly, man. They're, they're just but moving it all over the... purely on what Stafford went for, their price makes sense. It does. I, I think it does based on the fact that that first year of Watson, when you get Watson in that first year, it's going to be low. 
you're you're not going to pay him nearly enough. But if you look at at um, the Watson situation, I I don't know. You're kind of selling the farm there. I mean, really. I mean, I know you want a starting quarterback. I get that Watson's good, but man, that's that's a lot to give up for mm-hmm. for one player. That's a lot. And and then his in the following year after that that after 2021, his contract kind of skyrockets. I mean, they got him on a good price now. But 20 uh, after his, his new yeah, contract's huge. Yeah, 2022 toward 2023, I mean, that's big money. So I mean, you you got to make sure you got the cap space, you got to make sure you got your future situated, you got to make sure that your team has has all the draft picks and everything ready to roll when you know, you do get him because otherwise you're going to be you're going to be dead in the water for a while mm-hmm. and you're going to have this great quarterback dead in the water. He's going to be unhappy again. Um, so that's going to be an issue. Um, but one, one guy that they were, so they, they hired a, a new, um, head coach over with the, the Texans, your boy, uh, Dave Culley, the former assistant coach and passing game coordinator. They thought this would quell Deshaun Watson's anger because they hired an African-American coach. And it's like, it didn't work like that guys. You didn't even, he was, he's not pissed that you didn't hire an African-American coach. He's not going with that. He hates the ownership. He hates ownership, and he thinks ownership isn't listening to him and, and what he wants. Now, I think Dave Coley is a horrible coach uh, option. I mean, you and I have been talking for the last you know, year about how the Ravens have no passing game, and this guy was their passing game coordinator. Who was the receiver's coach. Yeah. Same difference. Yeah. So, and what then the hell? He's also the uh, receiver coach the year that the Chiefs had no receiver touchdown. Yeah. I mean, it, <laughs> it's just bad. Take them. Yeah, I mean, it's just bad. I, I just, I don't understand it. They thought he would quell it. And and one thing that Watson wanted people to do was was um, look at Eric Bieniemy after the Super Bowl. He said, just hold off. Let's talk to Eric Bieniemy. And and everybody's going, well, why isn't Eric Bieniemy getting getting offers? Let's make something clear. You can't hire the guy until the Super Bowl's over. That's per NFL rules. You can't hire the guy as a new head coach. Or interview him. You, well, you can interview him. They, if the team gives you Yeah, if the team gives you permission. I mean, I wouldn't. I mean, focus on, on the playoffs. Right. I, I think that the Chiefs actually gave him permission. And he went and he had interviews with, with several teams. But you can't hire the guy until the Super Bowl's over. So, he and, and nobody knows if he's going to stay with the Chiefs. Well, he is. Because at this point, if he takes a new spot, it's going to be as an OC. And right. why would you leave the Chiefs for a lateral move? Right. Well, one thing that, that um, and there there are a couple landing spots that are actually being talked about for him as an offensive coordinator. I don't see him leaving, but there have been, uh, ru- there were rumors originally of the Seahawks, there were rumors of the Jags, there were rumors of, of uh, the Titans for a minute. Right now there's a rumor of that Minnesota, because Minnesota hasn't hired an offensive coordinator since Gary Kubiak did retire. They're, the rumor is that they're holding out for Eric Bieniemy to to possibly be hired on. The only way he leaves Chiefs is if you pay him to be an OC and you pay him head, head coach, coach dollars. money. Yeah, head coach money is what it what it's going to be all about. And then at the end of it, what's going to go on? And I think, and this is why I think the Minnesota thing might might be the option. It's either Chiefs or Minnesota, and here's why: Mike Zimmer's on the hot seat. He really is. He's on the hot seat this year. If Mike and I think Rick Spielman too, the general manager. He's on a hot seat. If there's no bowl for the Minnesota Vikings, or at least a deep playoff run, and there's no consistency, they're gone. 
See, in that case, I wouldn't go there because um, when you get a whole new regime, normally they hire who they want, and uh, the the enemy would end up being a casualty because they're going to a brand new staff. I, I don't think he would be. I think what it would turn into is the enemy comes in as the offensive coordinator. He does well. That offense, you know, the offense was top five last year. So if it's not higher than that, he's gone. I, I with the rest of the. With, I think I think what what goes on with the enemy is they will move him into that. Head coaching position. I, I think that no, would, that's because Vikings are going to want to bring in a high-profile uh, GM and coach, and and, and those guys are like, we want to hire our staff, and and enemy wouldn't be yep. in, in in that card. So I mean, I, I think it'd be I think it'd be, he'd be setting himself up for failure there. It, it might be he might be. I, if he, yeah, that's why I think he's not leaving. Yeah, I, I, I he might be. I think a lot of it just comes down to you know they want to. It's almost like a, a you want to have him locked in. I guess you could say you want to lock him in, and I, I think that's what they, they would be looking at. Is we want to lock him in and make sure he's there and then go from there. But Eric Bieniemy, there, he is interviewing around the league. I think he stays with the Chiefs. I'm with you. But, um, you know, if he it, that would probably be the only spot that I could see him going. Houston Texans right now are exploring the possibility of trading and releasing J.J. Watt. Watt says he wants to be released so he can choose his own team freely. Um, the Texans... They're not very adamant about that. They're saying they want just want to trade him and get something for him, and I don't blame them. I don't blame them either. But uh, J.J. Watt, he wants out of Houston right now, I think, and and uh, I don't think the Texans want to keep his contract around. J.J. It's, Watt, it's, it's lofty. Well, not only that, but J.J. Watt's been been pretty fragile the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. He's been a little injury prone. Um, we, we we've seen that. I mean, I I he's completed the season maybe what twice. I mean, he's he's always got a knee injury or a shoulder injury or a concussion or something, something going on. Um, but J.J. Watt, they said potential landing spots. We're, we're talking Carolina. We're talking Washington. We're talking uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and we're talking the Vikings right now. Those are the, the four areas where they're, they're, he's been rumored to be possibly sent to. Um, so we could see something come of that. I wouldn't mind having him. I definitely wouldn't. At a reduced salary. Yeah, well, if if he does get traded, you do get something of a reduced salary uh, because of his uh, signing bonus. Yeah, so you you automatically get that. So uh, Ron Rivera says he's non-committal on your boy Alex Smith. Says we have to wait to continue to go through our process. I don't blame him, given Alex Smith's leg injury. I think you you could see the Washington Football Team go out and hire, or uh, actually, I'm sorry, draft rather a quarterback. There's not really any good ones left. Well, we're watching. Yeah. See, they're that, drafting late. They're they're drafting late in the first. I don't know that Trey Lance falls that far. There there might be. I mean, you I maybe a Brock Purdy. There's a lot of quarterbacks that could be in the market. Yeah, uh, I mean, maybe a Brock Purdy. You could you could see them moving around for a quarterback. Carson Wentz. Car- yeah, Carson Wentz. Big but ben. but do you think that the Eagles are going to want to trade Carson Wentz interdivision? Probably not. You know that that becomes a question. I don't know. We and we don't know. Like they said, they expect Ben to, to return to the Steelers. We we were talking about. It's going to have to be under new salary. Yeah. So so that that could get a little interesting. He's set to make what forty two. If what he says is true, then Ben's willing to play for pennies. Yeah, and if that's the case, then then Ben will be be hanging around in in Pittsburgh. But I don't blame Washington for not being committal, and especially you know you could see something as simple as hey, and and for as well as he played in that playoff game. Tyler Heineke. You could see Heineke being the starter you could. next season. You could. And and you can't say the kid didn't play good. He he played well throughout that throughout. He played that his game. ass off. Yeah. I, I can't even be mad at the way he played. So 
you, you have that. Um, Ryan Fitzpatrick says he wants to and expects to play in 2021. Says these last two years have really relit that fire under me. You know, Fitzpatrick was better than Tua this year when they were playing when he was playing in Miami. He had them what six and three, I think it was when he when he got pulled. Mm-hmm. Tua he underperformed. Let's be real, he underperformed when oh, he yeah. came in. But you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick didn't look bad in that that uh, uh, Dolphins type scheme. There's going to be a team that picks him up and puts oh, him yeah. in as a starter. There's going to be somebody. There'll out be a there. team that that doesn't get because this is the biggest quarterback sweepstakes year we've ever really had it, in a the, while. The team that doesn't get someone end up with like a Alex Smith or a Fitzpatrick. Right. And and I mean there's several teams that are probably looking at him. I, I would assume like a team maybe like Denver is looking at him right now. Because Denver has Drew Locke over there and they said Drew Locke needs to to improve significantly. You know and so now he did say he wants to play. He didn't say he wants to start. Yeah, he wants to play. So I mean we'll we'll see if they they do start him. But I I mean it it could get interesting when it comes to to Ryan Fitzpatrick. I was surprised that the Dolphins didn't retain him, but I, I don't know what his asking price is either. So I I mean I they could, still could retain him. Yeah, they, they. I mean I'm sure they could. I think it would be smart given the what he knows the scheme and you know Tua kind of was was iffy and and I I when's you know, we always talk about this. When's the last time we saw an Alabama QB, you know, turn <laughs> yeah. you know be great? Tua was priority in the top five. I don't know about that. There are, I mean, Alabama QBs notoriously in the NFL don't perform. They don't do well. So I, I, I want to, I, for his sake, I would like him to be great. But we, we had projected when, when the draft came out, both of us said, I don't think this guy's going to be anything good. And it's been a bad start. Yeah, it hasn't been a very stellar start for him. Um, I know the Dolphins want to look toward the future, but if I were them, I'd be looking toward the future in the draft as well. The Dolphins have also elevated their running back coach, Eric Studeville, and tight end coach, George Godsey, to co-offensive coordinators. Uh, Studeville was the Broncos interim head coach after Josh McDaniel was fired in 2010. Godsey was the former QB coach in for the Texans in 2014 and the Texans OC in, in 2015 and 2016. Mind you, those were playoff years. And uh, he was Detroit's QB coach in 2018. Now, Which is one of Stafford's better years. Yeah, and, and so... I you gotta. I mean, I don't mind this move. I think it's a good move. It's interesting. It, it is an interesting move. And you know, to give Eric Studisville credit, he hasn't exactly had the best running backs over there in the last few years. No. So I mean, and and they've still had a, a decent running game. I mean, pretty interesting stuff. They their their starting running back for a minute was Kalen Balaj, and and Balaj he came out firing this year when he when he did come in. You know, in. Uh, well, in LA. the other thing too is Dolphins have always let their good running backs go. Yeah, yeah. So it's not his fault. It's not his fault. You know, what's his name go? Uh, shoot, went to Eagles. I can't think of his name. Shoot, it'll come to me. Yeah. And yeah. then uh, the other guy that went, name the other one, uh, Kenyon Drake. Yeah, Kenyon Drake. That's right. He went to to the uh, the Cards. I I I think the guy, he is a um, he's a good running backs coach, and they they still have had an effective running game. I think if you get that guy a star running back, and you can in the second round. He, that that offense could get interesting. Now we've seen in other teams where they do the co-coordinator type deal and it doesn't work out well. But I have a feeling this one will work out just fine. Didn't, and didn't Lamar Miller start there too? Yep, Lamar Miller was there. He's the one that they let go. What the frick is his name? Ajayi. Oh, Jay Ajayi. They're having a great year in yep. Miami. They traded him to uh, Philly. Yep, yep. He had a very good year over there. They trade all their good running backs. They trade all their good players. Yeah. 
But so I'm not going to I'm not going to blame the running back coach there. Right. But and and I think it's pretty cool that that they they both got their bump. They're both going to be OCs over there. That's an exciting situation. Now the Jags, uh, they they got a a new linebacker coach, uh, former Ravens linebacker Zach Orr. He's right in your wheelhouse there as a new linebacker coach. What's your take on Zach Orr? He didn't really play that much. I mean, maybe he's got a brain for the game. I'm, I'm not seeing, but he he retired early mm-hmm. and then kind of disappeared. Now he's kind of he's kind of come back in the fold. I mean, we'll see, but it's not really shouting to me like a great move right now. You know, sometimes we always see. Uh, um, we always hear that that old phrase, "Those who can't teach," you know, and and I think this could wind up being one of those situations. It, I it mean, could be, and we've we've seen it with Kellen Moore and and stuff like that. Kellen Moore, you know, he's, I liked Kellen. Never Moore. got a chance. He never really got a chance, but but Kellen Moore turned into a, a hell of a coach for for the Cowboys. So I mean, you gotta. I I, I want I'm optimistic here. I really am. I want to be optimistic. Devin Singletary, for example, or not Devin Singletary, uh, Mike Singletary, rather. Mike Singletary was a terrible head coach, but he was a former linebacker. And as a linebacker coach, the man was tremendous. Mm-hmm. So I, we're going to see if, if he can pull it off. And then uh, former Seahawks offensive coordinator, and I like this move, Brian Schottenheimer becomes the Jaguars passing game coordinator. Great move. Great, great, great move. move. Yeah, I loved it. I, I thought that was just brilliant. Um, Brian Schottenheimer's good coach. A good offensive coordinator, knows what the hell he's doing. Obviously, they've had a lot of success in Seattle um, and, and a lot of success when he was there in particular. I like this move. I just think that's that's smart. Bucky Brooks, he uh, creates a new mock draft. He's got the Justin Fields going to the Jets. I've seen other mock drafts have Justin Fields being the fourth quarterback off the board. Really? Mm-hmm. Yep. I've, I've, seen, I've seen ones where they had him drop. And and I think a lot of people are putting a lot in into guys like Trey Lance and so on and so forth. But um, I I don't know Tyler. I'm I'm just having that that weird, ugly gut feeling. And and it, after what we've seen over the years, that only happens uh, when it, when it, when uh Heisman's involved. You know, and see, here's the thing about that. So by your logic, Devonte Smith's going to go number one overall. I'm I'm saying with, with quarter we've you've only seen quarterbacks randomly get taken number one overall when a Heisman's involved and and here and I think this is a weird circumstance because you have the Ohio situation you have Justin Fields and he went out and crushed crushed Clemson and who plays for Clemson Okay yeah, but I, um Fields didn't didn't. And and didn't beat he 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 out didn't. he outplayed Lawrence though, and that's that's gonna that's almost like the indicator. He outplayed or- he outplayed Lawrence, and I'm like, eh, I don't know, eh. like like I'm just having this strange weird gut feeling. And then with Urban Meyer going to the Jags, I, I don't know. I'm starting to, and nobody's talking about it. But this is what we've seen where where nobody was talking about Kyler Murray going number one overall. And then what, what happened oh, three days before the draft? You remember, three days before the draft, everybody was talking about, about Bosa going number one overall. Three days before the draft, oh, it's going to be Kyler Murray. Remember that? Oh, I, no, I, but Kyler Murray also has a Heisman to back yeah, it up. I, I just, I'm having this, this weird gut feeling that you're going to see Justin Fields go number one overall. And, and I, I don't think it's a good idea. I'm not sitting here telling you I think it's a good idea, but I'm just having that gut feeling. And and uh, it wouldn't surprise me if if he wound up going to Jacksonville, and I like Trevor Lawrence. That's the thing. I think Trevor Lawrence is the quarterback of the future. But golly, I with with 
the the Urban Meyer hiring, it just got the wheels turning. And that kid comes out of you know comes out of the Ohio State spot with an uh, an Urban Meyer tree coach. I I don't know. It's it's just gonna get weird. Um, but moving on, you got the Raiders tight end. Jason Witten retires after 17 uh, seasons. He has become a high school football yeah, and coach. And he signed a one-day contract with the Cowboys. Yes, he, he's going to retire a Cowboy. Now, do you think Witten – so this is where, where coaching usually starts. You start as a high school coach, then you become a college coach, then you become an NFL coach. Does Jason Witten become an NFL coach? I think he does over time. Yeah. I mean, 17 seasons in, the, in this league, he knows what the hell he's talking about. Mm-hmm. Could get a little little interesting. But speaking of the Raiders, GM Mike Mayock said he was disappointed in the productivity of their rookies in 2020. Were you disappointed, Tyler? Well, when you take the third overall receiver over the first two, then it's yeah, kind of your fault. That's going to happen. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I, I didn't think Ruggs should have gone first round. I actually thought he was the, honestly, I thought he was probably like the fifth best one. Out, I mean, out he, he, in every sense, he, he was graded better better than Jefferson. But um, he was in most mocks. He was going under a uh, Lamb, and he's going under uh, the other Alabama guy. I can think of his name right now. Judy. Judy. Yeah. He was in in every mock. He was going at at that best third. Yeah. And then he went first. First. Yeah. Well, here's my my thing about about the Henry Ruggs situation. So you you drafted Henry Ruggs, which great, okay, but you need. When you draft a guy like that, who's this a, a speed bomber, and that's what he is. He just, he, I mean, he flies down the field like a freaking maniac. Mm-hmm. So you got him, and you don't have your your inside route runner. You you don't have anybody like that. You, I mean, who's your who's your guy? You don't got one exactly. So so I mean, of course he's not going to perform. And that was my issue with the Raiders here. You have to get that short. Pass catcher. First. It was very similar to the year that uh, um, Torrey Smith had to be the number one guy in Baltimore. Exactly. Torrey Smith is a, is a great speed burner receiver. Right. When, when he has the support, he he plays great. He's a thousand yard receiver. Right. So he's got to be the number one guy. He's not. It's, it's not his fault. He's it's not the team's the number, fault. He's, and and when he did play well, he had Anquan Bolden there mm-hmm. with him, who was the actual number one. Um. I and Henry Ruggs. I mean, he's faster than hell. I I mean, he had a he had a couple of flash moments there where where he looked really great. You know, I to me, I I'll be honest. I thought the top four receivers going off that should have gone off the board before the draft. I didn't like Rugs. You remember, I didn't like Rugs. I was big on Judy. I was big on Lamb. I was big on Lamb, and even I, I had even questions about Lamb, and and I was big on Jefferson, but the other guy I was big on was T Higgins, and I like T Higgins, and I think T Higgins he played like, well. Yeah, the second part of the season. T. Higgins did really well. Henry Ruggs, eh, okay. I thought T. Higgins was the better receiver than Henry Ruggs. And frankly, I think T. that was kind of the guy they needed. T. Higgins is just that big-bodied physical receiver, kind of gets in your face, big red zone threat. You're going to have a hard time you know, covering him because he's a big boy. I wanted T. Higgins in Minnesota. And don't get me wrong, I'm thrilled that we got Jefferson and we got the production we did. Obviously, they saw something that that I didn't see. Um, because I, I would have probably graded Higgins above Jefferson, too. I'm sure as hell glad we got Justin Jefferson. Man, I, I, I wouldn't have picked Henry Ruggs in the first round. And and I think too many people did. Too many people got excited about Henry Ruggs way too early. And and I, I would, have, would I have selected Jerry Judy first round? Absolutely. C.D. Lamb first round? I had questions about him, but yeah, he would have been a first-round guy. But when we're talking the other receivers... 
Uh, I have questions about Henry Ruggs. Oh, I'm, I'm with you. So <clears throat> there's that. Um, and then speaking of Alabama guys, uh, Alabama quarterback Matt Jones, Mac Jones rather, uh, he went and met with Patriots, Saints, and Texans uh, officials at the Senior Bowl. Could we see Mac Jones in a Patriot uniform? Could he be the QB of the future, Mac Jones? Mm. <laughs> Could he be the the first Alabama QB to look great? No, you know, and that's that's going to be the question. That no I don't such thing. I don't really think Mac Jones is that good, to be honest with you. I think people are are salivating over this guy, and I, mm, I, I haven't been. I, I watched his, some of his stuff, and I, I'm not impressed. Alabama's always bailed out by stud receivers. That's <clears> what yep. it is. Yep, Devontae Smith was the reason that Mac Jones looked good in the year prior. Uh, Bob. Judy and, Judy and and rugs were the reason that yep. two look good. Yep. So I mean, this is this that's one of those interesting little situations. But he met with the pa- the Patriots this past week or, or during the uh, Senior Bowl. Good luck. Yeah, have fun with that. I mean, that'll be interesting. Um, the Saints GM Mickey Loomis on the quarterback situation has said we will wait for Drew Brees to make his decision, which I think is interesting. I thought he already did. Yeah. So all the reports came out that Drew Brees was going to retire. And they, they said that, you know, this is it for him and whatever the case may be. But now, now we're getting reports that Drew Brees is questioning it. And that because he hasn't officially announced anything. I got news for you. You can't afford him anyway. <laughs> I mean, I don't get it. No. Why why would you even? You got a lot of cap to clear. You got 90, what, 98 million to clear? Yep. Yeah, I mean, that's a lot of cap space. And that guy's taking up 25 to 30 million of it. No. No. You, you can't retain him. Wait for him to make his decision. What the hell? You're going to cut the whole team so you can have Drew Brees? I mean, Jesus Christ. Uh, it's time to move on. Yeah, it's... Uh, I. I I hate Drew Brees, uh, but I, I like his play. But golly, man, it's just, I have questions about that. Uh, uh, I mean, and I thought he made his decision. That's the thing that bugs me about it. All the report- just unofficial. Yeah. <clears throat> now it's not official, and it's a big freaking issue. Matt LaFleur comes out says there's no doubt Aaron Rodgers is going to be the QB in 2021. Now, okay. Okay. We've, we've heard this before. I trust the Green Bay Packers about as far as I can throw them in these types of situations. You remember the last time they said this, right? Yeah. And the last time they said this, you saw Brett Favre get traded to the Jets as trade bait when Brett Favre was talking about retiring. They said, oh, Brett, come back, come back. We want you as our quarterback. And then they traded him to the Jets because they wanted to get some for him. I don't trust the Green Bay Packers organization if I'm Aaron Rodgers, or any player for that matter, because they torched Brett Favre so bad. So to me... I don't know. He's coming back. I, and, and, you know, I think a lot. there was a lot of speculation because of that interview after the loss in the playoffs there, after the NFC title game loss, and everybody, and, and T.J. Lang has come out and said, you know, oh, he's hell-bent on, on you know, getting if, back at the... If he's not in Green Bay, it's because he doesn't want to be. Right. And, and I, I don't know. I just, I look at Aaron Rodgers, and I, I think he's almost done. He's, I think he's getting there. I think he's kind of he's kind of burned out. As far as I can tell, he just seems burned out. I mean, I would love to, you know, I, well, I would hate to see a motivated Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay. <laughs> I mean, because Aaron Rodgers, we've seen him motivated, and he's having a hell of a day. Mm-hmm. But he comes out there every yeah, game. Yeah, your soon to be MVP was got he was he was motivated this year. Yep, and then and then 
well, I don't know. I'd, I'd see him come out on the field, and he didn't look as motivated, I guess you could say. Every time Aaron Rodgers goes out there these days, he just looks like, meh, I'm here. <laughs> and, and, like, you know he's going to put up numbers. He's like, meh, okay. Like, like I don't, <laughs> but I just, I don't know. He he looked pretty affected. There was there was rumors of him retiring or possibly retiring. Deep down, I as a Vikings fan, I hope he retires because he's the bane of my existence. Yeah, this, this is... Um, an interesting little storyline here. Um, and I guess there's been a little bit of tension between him and Lafleur over the field goal. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it, <clears throat> we'll see where it goes. Um, but one thing that did happen is because Aaron Rodgers doesn't like the defensive coordinator, Mike Patine, Mike Patine won't be returning. Mike Pettin. Mike Pettin? Pettin? Is that is it Pettin? He won't be returning. It's a shame because I'm <clears> he's a good coordinator. It's the best defense I've had in a while. Yep, and, and he's a good coordinator. He was the interim head coach if you remember, yep. when Mike McCarthy got let go. So he's a, a good uh, defensive coordinator, and they've had a good defense, and they've had good players. I don't understand why Why sometimes you see the Packers, and it's especially the Packers, they do these strange things. Oh, well, we lost an NFC title game. We had a top defense, but must be the defense's fault. See you later. What? <laughs> I don't get it. You had the number one corner in the league in Jair Alexander. So what what is the issue? I don't know. It, it just it doesn't make sense. You had Zadarius Smith playing out of his mind. You had Clark playing out of his mind. I don't get it. I, I just don't. No, I'm I I don't either. <clears throat> just a, a confusing move. So one move that that I really liked. The Lions went out and hired former Panthers and Texans head coach Dom Capers as their defense senior defensive assistant. I love this move. Dom Capers a good coach. Mm-hmm. And then they go out and did one better. They went and hired starting quarterback Mark Brunel as their quarter, or former Jag starting quarterback Mark Brunel as their QB coach. Lions have been out there making some moves here. And, and then you also have them bringing in Anthony Lindsay O.C. Yeah, I mean, they, they got Anthony Lindsay they're, 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 they're building the staff. This staff. I love it. Yeah, this staff. I, well, I hate it. I freaking hate it. But they, I mean, you look at what they're doing and it's like, wow, this, this team is, it looks good for the future and they're looking scary good. They are. This is, this could be the biggest turnaround in in the NFL. I mean, you, you could see the Lions turn into something because they're, all these guys have been successful at their positions. They've been very successful. Other than, than Anthony Lynn as a head coach in LA, he's a very good offensive coordinator. So, I mean, it, it, I think it's a really smart move by the Lions. I think they're impressive. And, and man, this team is just coming together. I mean, good for them. Shit. <laughs> it's scary for me. Another guy from the, from the NFC North that, that we, we, I know quite well, uh, former Bears and now and Bucks head coach Lovey Smith, set to become the Texans' defensive coordinator. Now, I love this move, too, for the Texans. Lovey Smith, when he was with the Chicago Bears, was notorious for having high-end defenses. Mm-hmm. And here we are. He's getting ready to become the Texans' defensive coordinator. The Texans struggled on defense. They need a few parts. Obviously, they're probably going to lose J.J. Watt this year. They need corners, desperately need corners. They're going to need a little bit more pass rush. They need some help up front. Uh, I think they have some decent linebackers. But, man, i got to tell you, Lovey Smith is going to about he, he could very well turn this defense around. And I'm not going to going to say it's going to be right away cuz like I said they need parts. They really do need a lot of parts. But that Texans defense could be something to behold 
with with him uh, in that position. The Seahawks also hire former Rams passing game coordinator and uh, former Washington Patriots head coach Shane Waldron as their offensive coordinator. Um, the Seahawks had a notoriously good run game for a long time. Waldron was responsible for it. I like this move too. I, I do too. It's you know, there's a lot of just good coaching movements going on. It's it's, it's kind of it's going to be interesting next season. Teams are looking at their their team needs, and they're going like like okay, well our run game wasn't very effective. Well, let's bring in this coach. They're actually looking at these coordinators, and they're bringing them in based on the team need, which is just it's it's smart. You you, I mean, outside of the Texans hiring that crappy head coach. I mean, they're all really looking at different positions and going, this needs to happen, this needs to happen, this needs to happen, and they're fixing it. So, I, I mean, I love how this, this co- I mean, you can more or less call it the, the coordinator carousel this mm-hmm. year. It's been more coordinators moving around than anything. Because the, the Ravens made a signing that um, on the surface seems kind of like a meh, but um, the Ravens have been very good at um, replacing their coordinators from in, in, inside. Right. Um, they, they hired Anthony Lynn's son, to mm-hmm. be the defensive backs coach, right? Which is arguably the best in best in the league right now. Yep. So you bring in a young young kid to basically learn from a really good defensive back system. Yep. That could grow him to be a defensive coach to eventually maybe I don't know maybe be Martin Dale's replacement. Yeah. I mean you're you're grooming you groom from it and a lot of times a lot of and the, Ravens have been very good at grooming coaches. I, I I see that as kind of being a future planner. Yep. Planning for coaching. <clears throat> and then uh, additionally, so. The Titans promote the tight ends coach Todd Downing to offensive coordinator after losing Arthur Smith for Atlanta's head coaching job. Um, Todd Downing, he knows their system uh, very, very well. Titans, they they like using their tight ends, so you got that. And then they also went and promoted their outside linebackers coach, uh, Shane Bowden, to defensive coordinator after Mike Brahevel said that Bowden was basically the Titans' defensive coordinator already without the title. Wow. So I don't know if that is... A, a nice thing to say to uh, about Bowden, or about Bowen, rather, or if it was just a, a shot at their former defensive <laughs> coordinator, because damn. And then last but not least, your boys made an interesting signing. They, they extend Nick Boyle to a two-year, the tight end. Um, he got hurt this year, yep. but he's he's been on the, the best pass-rushing, t- or pe- pass-blocking tight end in, in football the last few years. And yep. So it doesn't seem like, it seems like a lot in the service, but you really break down the play, like he's He's that old-style tight end that, that teams still kind of need now. Yep. And we already talked about this a little bit in my rant here. Uh, teams have not agreed. So the the um, the league right now is is talking about moving the cap to 175 as the floor that they suggested. But due to the COVID-related economic issues uh, and, and the current expectations for the salary cap is to land around 185, uh, well short of the 198.2 from last season, we've been hearing a lot of, a lot of talk about that salary cap, a lot of speculation. At one point, the league wanted him to drop it down to almost 160, and uh, that was nixed hard. Yeah, that wasn't going to happen. <laughs> but, yeah, those, and those are your news. That's your news around the league, uh, around the league, outside of the Super Bowl. Now, Tyler, I wanted to, to jump in. I've got, so we, we every year we kind of do the Forgetful Five, and normally... With the forgetful five, it goes, you know, if we do a whole season, and that's my fault, I get that, that's my my problem. But normally if we do it, it's based on the guys that I pick throughout the season to be the forgetful five that we determine our least valuable player. This year, 
we're doing it. We're obviously we didn't do the whole season, but I did find five players, and I have determined who the least valuable player is. Oh boy! So Josh Rosen. No, well Josh. I mean Josh Rosen. Wasn't he just a free agent? He's, I, he's, I think he's on Bucks practice squad. Oh Jesus Christ! You, you start talking about the least valuable players, and so first of all, I, I want to jump in. So right now. Let's and and we're gonna kind of do this in reverse order because we got Super Bowl stuff to talk about with you. So we'll we'll get to your your stuff after the break. But for this, here is the the season finale, I guess you could say, of Freytown's Forgotten Five. Freytown's forgetful five. These are the most forgetful players of this this uh, season, and and I've got five, but then I also have two honorable mentions. All right. Okay. So, honorable mention number one, and and this is one that you kind of threw out there, and I appreciate that. Zach Ertz is an honorable mention. Oh, how the mighty have fallen! Yeah, thirty-six receptions, three thirty-five, and a touchdown. Now, the only reason that he didn't hit top five, and I'll give you a reason why he didn't hit top five crappy players for the season, is the the iffy quarterback play of Carson Wentz. I, I think that's a fair assessment. Because he was one of the best t- uh, tight ends in football, mm-hmm. and and you wind up with with shoddy play from Carson Wentz, and then you wind up with a, a QB change. I get it. Another honorable mention goes to Devin Singletary. Now I remember everybody was talking to him or talking about him last season, especially after his his final six games of the year. Everybody thought he was going to be the next big thing. This year, his production drops a hundred yards in a full season. Loses the starting job to Zach Moss. He only has 687 yards and four touchdowns on the year as a starting running back. And he uh, he just didn't come alive. He didn't do well. It was bad. It was bad. And and that was one of the big issues for the Bills going into the playoffs as they became. And that's how the Chiefs beat the Bills. They had no running game. The Bills have no running game. They, they really don't. The Chiefs, I, I mean, we saw it in the playoffs. Chiefs kept dropping into to zone coverage and, and putting a hurting on the, on the Bills. So there's that. Um, now AJ Green is going to be number five, 47 receptions, 523 yards, two touchdowns with a, I mean, and I understand Joe Burrow didn't play the whole season, but man, I expect a lot more out of AJ Green. Again, AJ Green played better when Burrow was out. How the mighty have fallen. Man, AJ Green just right at the end of his career, I think. Yep. I think he's done. I, I think he's, he's. Dancing around in the twilight there. I would agree. Yep. Number four goes to Sam Darnold. Just 2,208 yards, nine touchdowns, 11 picks through 12 games. He was benched and hurt and all kinds of stuff. Bad year for Sam Darnold, but only 2,000 yards, nine touchdowns, 11 picks through 12 games. He had more games than touchdowns. That's that's just (laughs) bad. Number three. Goes to Leonard Fournette. Now, all indications said that Leonard Fournette was going to be the starting running back with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers this year. Leonard Fournette, 367 yards, six touchdowns on the year. Didn't even break 500. He loses the starting job to Rojo, Ronald Jones, who who blew up. But Leonard Fournette just falls apart. Uh, and, and this, everyone thought he was going to be a, the big shot over in Bucks when the, with the super team. He just wasn't part of that mix. Right, and and again, how the mighty have fallen. Number two goes to Cam Newton. This is a name I never thought I'd see on this list. <laughs> never. Eight touchdowns, ten interceptions, 2,567 yards, 
Now, the only thing that kept him out of number one was 12 rushing touchdowns. Yeah. That's, that's the only thing that kept him it, out of number almost, one. It almost kind of pushed him to five, in my opinion. But. Yeah, I mean, the, the 12 rushing touchdowns, uh, but, I mean, his inability to throw the ball effectively was just terrible. He was awful. Cam just, I, I, I just don't know if it was a Belichick thing or if Cam, I think Cam might be done, to be honest with you. I think he's just toast. I mean, this is this is a guy that a few years back was was the MVP. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's insane to me. So there, there's got to be something weird going on. But number one, and I think this one was unanimous here. This is this is without a doubt an issue. Okay, and and we we trashed this guy in in discuss- every time we talked about it. Every time his name came up, everybody in our group chats, everybody that that we every time you and I talked. We laughed because he was so bad. Just terrible. Dwayne Haskins is the unanimous least valuable player on the outside blitz from this season. He was benched after seven games. He had five touchdowns, seven interceptions in seven games. So he had more games and touchdowns and 1,439 yards. What an awful quarterback. Now, I told you... When he got drafted, and you said it too, what do we say about Dwayne Haskins? He's going to be a bust. And he's going to be the quarterbacks are not great. And he's going to be the worst quarterback in that draft. And what did Dwayne Haskins turn out to be? Two years later. (laughs) I mean, it's bad. It's terrible. I understand Daniel Jones has has some things to work out, and he's not a good quarterback either. But and and there's there's a lot of quarterbacks that came out of the draft class that and and I remember Dwayne Haskins coming up. Oh man. These teams are going to be sorry that they didn't pick me in the top ten. They're going to be sorry that they waited so long to select me. Oh, boy. Yeah. Yeah, so much for that. And he's been recently signed by the Pittsburgh Steelers as a backup, but my God. Can he even beat out Rudolph and Dobbs? I don't know that he can. I I, I actually don't think Rudolph can beat out Dobbs. I think Dobbs is probably one of the best backups in the league right now. Mm. I, I Josh Dobbs is a good quarterback. I I just, uh, uh. I don't, (laughs) Dwayne Haskins, what an awful player, but Dwayne Haskins will go down as the least valuable player. Now, next year, we will do the full season. Next year, obviously, I won't be going through the shit I was going through, but next season, we will get the unanimous least valuable player based on the forgetful five, Mm -hmm. but yeah, this is going to be uh, a good good starting point here for Dwayne Haskins to be the the league's least valuable player. So we're gonna take a quick break. Well, before that, I got nope. a little surprise for you. What do you mean you guys? I got a little bonus thing for you. Well, two of them. Two of them. So I got two top tens. I got the Super Bowl top top ten. Uh-huh. I got one more for you. What'd you get? But before I do that, I got one more thing for you. What'd you get? What I have is thirteen years of stats. For who? Most penalties, or least least amount of penalties to a team. Oh boy! And over the last thirteen years. The Vikings have received the ninth least amount of penalties. Mm-hmm. The Packers are 12th on average. Uh-huh. Vikings are treated better by the referees than the Packers. <sighs> Not over the last three years. You can't tell me that. Over the last three years, this year, Packers were 12th least. Uh-huh. Um, in 19, they're the ninth least. In 18, they're the 14th least. Uh-huh. Vikings were the eighth least this year, uh-huh. so less than the Packers. Uh-huh. Seventh least in, in nineteen, less than the Packers, and the second least. <laughs> Maybe that means the Vikings are the most 
well-treated teams <sighs> in the playoffs, or in the, right, with, with the penalties by the refs, and, and the Packers are in the middle. Now, now, is that in yards, or is that in penalties in general? Total penalties. Total, so total, total penalties received. Yes. Okay. So, that's going to raise, uh, so, I, I, I want to... I'll, I'll send you the, um, because the, they have it all, it's easy to look at. I'll send it to you so you can like, just kind of go through it. Yeah, I want to go all, through it. It's offense, it's defense, it's kind of everything. Okay, because I want to I go through it because I want to see what kind of penalties that you're seeing as yeah. far as... Well, and, and, and I, to be honest with you, I, I didn't go through it. Like, okay. like, but it does list it out, like, all the big... It, they have a bunch listed as other. I think on DPI is under other. Oh, okay. But they do list, like, false starts and offsides and, and stuff like that. Mm. I'll send it to you. It, it is interesting. Yeah. It goes back to 06. I, I, just, I just didn't include you, 7 and 6. You just wanted to do that to give me a hard time. Yeah. Okay. That's that's what that was. You just... You, it's all that was. Yeah. You just wanted to come up and show off that big the, dick. The other thing... this I'll, I'll go quickly go through this, this um, extra bonus mm-hmm. segment of... Tyler's top ten. Tyler's top ten. Really? Yeah, because we always talk about offense. Like uh-huh. we, we, we do like the Tyler's top ten. Usually, it's always offense. It's always this. But I'm going to show some love for you know for part of the game you know I love. Oh, Tyler's top ten defensive players of the season. Oh, good. This will be good. So I, this took me a lot. This took me a while. late today. I was, I was trying to like. There's a lot of good ass players and. Oh yeah. Obviously. This one's gonna be a lot of subjectiveness to just because there's certain things like it depends what you're what you're rating higher than others and mm-hmm. like I the I didn't I did I did not include the 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 lead tackler in the league just because he didn't have any sacks he didn't really have any of this and that was uh, Schubert I believe like, like wait. Joe Schubert Joe Schubert oh wow he had 169 tackles holy shit he was a killer I mean he was I mean he played he was a uh, isn't he a former Brown. I think so. Former Brown, I think he's a current Jaguar, isn't he? Yes. Okay. That's what I thought. Number 10, Marlon Humphrey. As a as a corner, he had 82 tackles. Mm-hmm. Um, two and a half sacks, which is quite a bit for a corner. Yeah. Four tackles for loss. Yep. Um, eleven passes deflected. Uh-huh. Only had one pick, which is which kind of raises the question about why he's here, but eight forced fumbles. Wow. This is a guy he led the league in forced fumbles. This is a guy to me. That ends up being a very good safety in his, in, his, in his toilet years. Yeah, he sounds like a safety. That's what that's what he sounds like is is a guy that's going to play safety. Um, and he's a, and he's he's a, he's, a, he's, a, he's a stud corner. He's, he's one of the, and he's the number one in Baltimore. And and, he, and last year he had a lot of interceptions, but this year he was he was a he's got and there these forced fumbles are, are are fumbles that resulted in turnovers. turnovers. Yeah. So I mean nine total turnovers. I'll take it. Mm-hmm. Number eight or number nine, Miles Garrett, forty eight tackles. 12 sacks, 15 tackles for loss, two pass deflected, and four forced fumbles. He was, he's come a long way from, I guess you could say, uh, a helmet to the head situation and yeah. all that. He looked like a leader this year. He acted like a leader. One thing about Miles Garrett, and you know, when he got drafted, he was a disruptor. You knew he mm-hmm. was a disruptor when he got when he got drafted. He was drafted were, high. Yeah, we, we already knew what he's going to be. Yeah, and and I, you remember he was he was drafted high. He was he was a beast. I like Miles Garrett the player. <laughs> you know, that is, mm-hmm. I don't like Miles Garrett the person. <laughs> no, but he acted more like a leader this year. He was much more mature this year. And when Miles Garrett is just focused on being a player, Miles Garrett's a player. You know, he he plays, man. So I, I liked this. Uh, I, I like that pick. I think he's he's um, he did really well this year. He was very very instrumental to the Browns being as successful as they were. Absolutely. And and that defense, 
I think the you know what the, who the beneficiary was not just not just the Browns defense pushing people back, but you know who was a beneficiary of all that was was a guy like Denzel Ward. Mm-hmm. You know who who wound up getting a lot of lot of love because that quarterback was under pressure a lot. Absolutely. So yeah, I I like that pick. And, and for, for the record, usually when we do the top tens, because you because um Scott normally gets the forgotten five after that. Um, mm-hmm. he he does get an appearance of the of the list before we do it. This one is legitimately for sure a, a complete um mystery to Scott. I, yep. I plan this at the last minute. Number eight, J C Jackson, forty tackles, which is about what you expect for mm-hmm. a corner. Um, one tackle for loss. 14 passes deflected on nine picks, second in the league in picks. Wow. J.C. Jackson, they – so he got torched a couple of times. I remember watching a few of the primetime games. And watching him during some of those primetime games, he was getting beat up a little bit. But he would always rebound. I think part of that, too, is the offense – the defense is always on the field, so I think I think you can kind of put part of it on being tired. Right. But like like at one one game, I remember he was getting he was getting slapped around a little bit. He was really getting getting panged. And I, I think if I'm not mistaken, he got he had a the game winning interception on on one of those. He was getting a lot of picks. He the quarterbacks liked to to pick on him a little bit, and they they kept doing it. And he actually came out looking pretty strong. I, I think they were talking about this being somewhat of a rebound year for him. Yeah, I I I like this pick, J.C. Jackson. He needs a little work and coverage, I guess you could say, but but ultimately he's young. He's a young guy. Uh, ulti- second year in, yeah, and he's starting to become a little bit of a ball hawk. And I think those are like the situations where those picks that he was getting was what kept New England in some of the games that they were they were still yep. competitive in. And based on this, I got him listed as my second best corner. So I mean, second year, that's 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 a great spot to be. Wow. Number seven, Raquan Smith, who's kind of just fall- getting into his zone now. Yep. 139 tackles, four sacks, 18 for a loss, seven pass deflected, two picks, and a forced fumble. I liked Raquan Smith when he came out initially. And and you remember I said, and just for the record, I, I do like the J.C. Jackson move. He was graded out as a 69.5 on pro, pro Football Focus. So good for him. Now, uh, Raquan Smith, though. This guy has been he's gonna, he's the new leader of that defense. Yeah, everybody was talking about about, you know, Khalil Mack and and all this stuff. You know what? Let's be real. Raquan Smith when he got drafted as a middle linebacker, we knew he was going to be a stud when he came out of college as an inside middle linebacker. We knew he was going to be a monster and he's been that monster. Um this last year he posted a 67-2 on PFF, which is a good a good ra- rating right there. He had 109 tackles. Got to love that. Um He's good in pass coverage. That's something yeah, that he was actually the only um, player to have 109 solos. Everyone else is under 100. Yep. But um, when, you, when you throw in the combined, there's a lot of him over 100. But he had 139 total. You know, he's he's uh, um, uh, among all linebackers in the NFL. He's ranked, you know, Pro Football Focus ranked him number 22 out of all the linebackers in the league, which says a lot about about his talents and how how good mm-hmm. he is. I mean, when you got you know guys like like Eric Kendricks running around, and you got guys like uh, Demario Davis running around, you you've got those guys to be ranked number twenty two in this league, where linebackers are just huge. And, and that and, and that's not just in this season. Um, they they take into consideration what you've done too. So right. players who had a rough year is going to be ranked higher just because of the history there. Right. He he's a good player. I I like him. He he not only is he good in play recognition, 
not only is he good at stopping the run and being good in running support, but the fact that and you don't very often find a linebacker that can back up into pass coverage and make a play against a tight end or a receiver that's going to pull things off like that. And it's not often that you get linebackers with interceptions. That doesn't happen very often. And to see him pulling down picks and doing what he's doing, you got to love that. Number six, you can almost flip up these two based on what you're looking at, but number six, Devin White, 140 total tackles. Nine sacks. That's kind of why I did that. Yep. Um, 18 t- tackles for loss, four pass deflected, and a forced fumble. I am surprised you had him as low as you do, to be honest with you. I think he's such a good sideline-to-sideline type of, of linebacker. He he makes great tackles. He's forced some key fumbles and key turnovers, especially in the playoffs and the postseason. Devin White has been spectacular this, Love this season. Devin White. And when he got drafted, there were a lot of questions about, is Devin White going to be able to make it in the NFL? Well, he's shown up and showed that he can make it in the NFL. In actuality, so we, we had, um, I think there was a, another Josh Allen that went at linebacker in that in that yeah. draft. And Devin White has outplayed all those linebackers from that draft. He really has. I mean, there's there's nobody that, that holds a candle to him. The closest the one that from that draft probably can. He got hurt this year. I think he's still yep. a rising star, and that's Devin Bush. Yeah. Devin and but Devin White, I, I think he's he's been spectacular. Oh yeah. So I, I can dig that. Number five, the reigning defensive player of the year. Mm-hmm. And from a statistical standpoint, um, and he's looking he's looking like he's gonna win it this year too. From a stat standpoint, yes, he deserves to win it from like his his stats make sense for a defensive player of the year. Mm-hmm. But I have him at fifth best defensive players because I think just some guys overlooked here. Mm-hmm. But Aaron Donald at five. Can't be mad about it. It's Aaron freaking Donald. Aaron Donald. 45 yeah. tackles, 13 and a half sacks, was second in the league. He's 20 he's, tackles for loss, a pass deflected, and four forced fumbles. He's on the cusp of being a, a Hall of Fame player. Already. Already. He's 29. About to be going into his age 30 season. He's disruptive. He's big. He's mean. He's nasty. He's always in the quarterback's face. And, and if you get a guy who is average or a little above average to be playing on the opposite side of him the whole line is just terrifying it really is because mm-hmm. you know like this year and and morgan fox is an above average player and morgan fox with aaron donald just blew things up i i mean it it, it was ridiculous but aaron donald is is one of the most brutal nasty defensive linemen in this league I like Aaron Donald, and obviously everybody loves Aaron Donald, other than when you have to play against him. And to me, Aaron Donald, I, I'm surprised you don't have him higher. To be honest, given his circumstances, yeah. given him about to be so, defensive player. Of the year. If you take into consideration um, sacks and stuff and disruption that he's allowed, mm-hmm. you're you're adding to his gets a lot. Right. But this is I, I kind of did this purely stat based in a hurry. And and if you look at at what the Rams have done this year, the Rams have they had the number one ranked all, or defense this year. Number one ranked yep. defense, which is something that the Rams and had a big not, part, and he's a yeah. big part of it. He, he was probably the biggest part of it. I would, I would probably say Ramsey kind of, uh, you know, he he was a, a part, a good part of it, but you know, Ramsey's the reason that they they probably lost to the Packers because he couldn't cover Devontae Adams. Mm-hmm. But you know, and it's not often you see Jalen Ramsey being given fits by a receiver. But I digress. Aaron Donald, he put a lot of pressure on a lot of guys. During the playoffs, to be able to put the amount of pressure that you did on Aaron Rodgers, and and for a minute they couldn't get pressure on him, but he was still making it a point to give him a hard time. I think they brought Aaron Rodgers down a couple of times in that game. So I like it. 
Aaron Donald, but like I said, I I mean to me, I I think he he's pushing top three, but I'm okay with him as long as he's on the and list. See, I, I and this thing is like, like I'm kind of mad about myself for not putting him higher. But I love Aaron Donald. He's, mm-hmm. I, you know, I always talk good about him. Number four, so Darius Smith, 52 tackles, 12 and a half sacks, 17 for loss. Two pass deflected and four first fumbles. That man has given every team in the NFC North fits since he came to Green Bay. He's scary. Yep. He's quick. I know that you like Zadarius Smith and you liked him because he's a former Raven. I didn't, and I don't think you expected him. I don't think you expected it, and I didn't expect it him to be as disruptive. No, as he, he he's is. better now than he was ever in Baltimore. Yeah. I, I nobody expected him to be as disruptive in Green Bay as he has been. He has been lights out. He has been their best player in that front seven. The the man, every time we play him, he pisses me off. Because, I mean, one game he, he blasted Kirk Cousins four times. I mean, sack, boom, done. He was, I mean, just plowing through the line. Nobody could stop the guy. He's just, he's a disruptive force. He really is. And, and he's become one of these elite pass rushing, pass rushing linebackers, these edge rushers, as they call them. The, the man is quick. He's just so quick. He's got these quick cuts that that even the offensive tackles. And what they do, the Packers, they like to blitz him up the middle. They like to put him on those guards, those shoddy guards. That the, like, for example, against the Vikings, they put him against those guards. And, and they'll exploit that mis- mismatch. And there are a lot of players in this league that can't keep up with him and don't have the lateral movement to keep up with him when he's plowing through that line. So, yeah, this, this is a good pick. I think you've got him right where he needs to be. He's probably one of the best linebackers in the game. Top three. Number three, Xavier Howard. Wow. What a stud this year. What a season. Ten picks, um, 20 passes deflected, 51 tackles, one for loss, and a forced fumble. So we knew Howard was good yes. going into this season. But he he took that tra- that big step from good to great. Yes. And and it was it's funny because they went and picked up the cat from Dallas this year to be their number one corner. Byron Jones. And he wasn't their number one corner. Nope. It was Xavier Howard. It wasn't even on my top 30 list. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, it was, and, you know, granted, Jones switched from safety to corner, which I, I thought was an interesting move because usually it's quite the opposite. Yes. And and Jones played well in Dallas as a corner. and I, But I Howard has just, I mean, that defense looks great. And Xavier Howard was fantastic this year. Lots of picks, hit double digits. I, I love this guy. I think he's great in coverage. He's a ball hawk. He's become an elite corner, and he's, a, he's become a, a shutdown corner, I think. Miami's got a steal in that guy, and he's a homegrown guy. Mm-hmm. He's homegrown. you got to love that. All right, so top two. Mm-hmm. I had him flip-flopped. I decided to put the, the person at two that is more the obvious choice of one of the best defensive players in the year. Yep. I gave the number one to the one that's kind of, that kind of quietly did it, mm-hmm. just to kind of give him that nod of because it wasn't expected. But number two... I downgraded him, but it's going to be T.J. Watt. Mm-hmm. 53 tackles, 15 sacks, led the league, 26 for loss, 7 pass deflected, 2 forced fumbles, and a pick. I'm assuming he's as high as he is because he led the league in sacks. Yeah, that was a big part of it. Yeah. And 26 tackles for loss, so 15 sacks and another 26. 11 tackles in the backfield. The He's 
He's got the ability of his brother as far as a pass rusher and a disruptive force. He's younger, got lots, lots yeah. more career left. And and he's but he does it out of the backfield and and so there's a, a significant difference between between how JJ gets back there and how well TJ yeah, they're gets different back players there. too. They're different players. They're different types um, of players. TJ's a little smaller and TJ, when when you look at where TJ's perfect for that three four system, right? And if, if you look at, at how he lines up, how he lines up in so you're you're in that linebacker. What's the significant difference between playing as a defensive end and playing as a linebacker when you're blitzing a quarterback? You get that running start. Yep. And and that's the the biggest thing for TJ is he's getting that running start and getting into the backfield and disrupting the quarterbacks and wailing on them. So. At, I, I think that that makes a significant difference, and not to mention the age is obviously you mentioned it, it's a factor there. TJ, I, I like I like this pick. I I think I I don't know if I would have him maybe three, and then kind of move Donald up a little bit, but I I like him. I think he's he's an integral part of the the Steelers defense, and I, I really do think that that he's going to wind up if he continues on this trajectory. You're going to have another Hall of Fame defensive mm-hmm. player in this in this family. Yep. So, you have any guesses at number one? Guesses on number one. You know, I, I do think Chris Jones from the Chiefs could be in the discussion. Golly. That, that's a toughie because there, there have been a number. I know you like uh, DBs, but you already you said that there's two DBs. Uh, Fitzpatrick had a down year as a DB. Hmm. I'm just kind of I'm filtering my way through the teams, trying to think about who this person could be. Um, hmm, I have no idea. Number one in my and maybe not because we talk about Aaron Donald and stuff he does, but just looking at the stats here, I love it. Hassan Riddick. Oh wow, sixty-three tackles, twelve and a half sacks, was third in the league in sacks. Mm-hmm. Twenty tackles for loss, four passes deflected. And six forced fumbles. Man. Um, That's a stat. Hassan Rick's not a guy that anyone's really talked about, but he's been a stud. Yeah. Um, Arizona Cardinals. Yep. 72.8. Good grade. 39 solos. He's a good player. 60, 63 tackles overall. Yeah, I mean, I, mean I, would, I wouldn't have even remotely thought that, that he would have been. I mean, like, because everybody always talks about, you know, when, when it comes yep. to the Cardinals. You know, everybody's always talking about the safeties and mm-hmm. wow, and it, it, yeah, yeah. As an edge rusher, yeah, the stats are there. <laughs> yeah, he, he was first in forced fumbles this year. But well, um, as far as linebackers, I mean, he was second to Humphrey with eight. Wow, so that's that was, I'm not sure where that came from. Yeah, well, he's he's listed as an edge. That's why <clears throat> they, they they the edge has become a a the newfangled thing. You know, it's like this hybrid defensive end linebacker situation that they've mm-hmm. got going on there depending on on the thing wow i'm i'm actually really surprised by this to me uh, that that blows my mind that hassan reddick i i wouldn't even thought it was his third year in yeah yeah i mean uh, like and you haven't heard shit about the guy been quiet yeah you haven't heard shit about him i i, I mean everybody's always talking about like buddha baker and stuff like the that stats are there man wow i'm digging that that's like a dark horse pick. Yes, that's why. That's, wow. that's why I gave number one, just because like everyone else has kind of been talked about this year. Yeah, but he's quietly just been this stud. He's been a stud. 
I wonder what his contract looks like. No, <laughs> I mean he was drafted first round uh, a couple well, so of he's years gotta ago. He's got to be coming near the end of it. Yeah, I mean, let's let's see. I want I, I just want to look at it because I mean it was a thirteen million deal. He he went the first round. So I mean I I expected the the, uh, the heavy contract. Yeah, you you expect but thirteen million over four years. That's not not humongous. And he's his base salary is low. His cap hits are low. And yeah, actually this year he'll take his fifth year option. I'm yeah, sure. Yeah, they I think they already picked it up. But then after in in uh, his age twenty eight season he'll be an unrestricted free agent. Now what's the rest of his stat? Actually, I take that back. Look at this fifth year option available, and they declined it. Oh, they're going to resign him to a big contract right now. Uh, we'll see. Well, what's the what's the rest of his contract? What's what's his stats look like? Maybe they declined it before he decided to go. Oh, I'll show you. Maybe it was terrible. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I'll have to look now. I mean, this is this is probably the, this is a deep dive, and I'm I'm sorry, folks, but we gotta we gotta look at this now because I my mind I is blown. I didn't look at this. Yeah. My my mind is is absolutely blown by by this whole situation. So his his okay. combined tackles. Assistant tackles. He had twelve sacks. So his his numbers weren't great in 2019, no. 2018, and twenty seventeen, and he blew up this year. So they might wind up. I think. So I'm thinking they declined his fifth year option when he was just kind of going in. Eh. Yeah. But and then all of a sudden, <laughs> he here's Hassan Riddick. <laughs> oh boy, this this could be one of those guys that a team picks up, and I don't know that he's necessarily going to get paid paid, but somebody could go and pick him up as an edge rusher. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, and he's a linebacker technically. So that's yep. that. That's what they were using him as as a blitzing linebacker, edge rusher. That's why they, they're calling him an edge. And and really, if if you think about it, with Arizona, they they like to drop their linebackers into coverage over there. It and and with the guys that they had dropping into coverage, think about the guys that they've had on that team. Realistically, with the Suggs and all yep. that within the last couple of years, so they had their blitzers. Now they take Reddick and they say, hey, we want you to be our, our big blitzing linebacker, and he does well, 12 and a half sacks, he's speedy, he's, he gets it. He's making 63 combined tackles, 20 assisted tackles. Looks pretty good. Looks pretty freaking good. I'm, I'm impressed. I'm impressed. And then those six force fumbles. All near the end. Yeah, all near the end in three games against Five the, sacks against yeah, the Giants. Against the Niners, the Eagles, and the Giants. And the Giants, you know, to be fair, they, they didn't have much of a line there. Yeah. Reddick could be an interesting pickup for somebody mm-hmm. as a linebacker. I could see him getting it was signed. The Seahawks game. Yeah, eleven, 11 tackles, tackles in one game. Uh, I could see him getting picked up on a discount. Really, I mean, a team is going to go out and and you're going to see this guy get paid eight, nine million, maybe ten, and and a year, and he's going to he's going to garner less than uh than Ngakwe and uh, Judon. Yeah, he's going to he's going to garner less than Barr. Anthony Barr is going to and and I mean. Uh, he's probably and he played better than Barr this last season too. So I like this pick, Tyler. That was that's exciting. That's an exciting move. I I just like that. <laughs> that was that made me feel really good. Because that's the end of my surprise. Okay, well I appreciate that. So um, we're gonna come back with some Super Bowl news. We'll take a quick break and then we got Super Bowl stuff. We got Super Bowl prediction. We're gonna go over it. Tyler, you ready to rock for Super Bowl? Oh yeah. Okay. So uh, we'll be right back right here. On the Outside Blitz. At It's Your Time Massage, you get all the benefits of one of the larger massage chain parlors, but in a more intimate and personal setting. With four years' experience, massage therapist and owner Amanda Yata's goal is to help people in a natural way, offering Swedish deep tissue, pregnancy, aromatherapy, and sports massages. You will feel better and have more energy in just one hour. 
It's Your Time Massage is offered in-home, Amanda's or yours, with the rates ranging from $55 to $130. You get professional quality at an affordable rate. Contact Amanda today at 313-686-4347 or online at iytmassage.com. It's Your Time Massage, a natural way to improve your well-being. Ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, are you ready? Are you ready? Get ready, no. Get ready. And welcome back to the Outside Blitz. I'm your host, Saturdine. Boom. After that riveting defensive segment. Yeah, that was good. That was good. I, I, I'm, I'm happy you brought up Hassan Radek. I, 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 that one blew my mind. It really did. I was like, oh shit, look at that. That's the rest of people you probably could have predicted at least a, at yeah. least a short list. A, a lot of them were, were, would have been on my list, but, but wow, I'm, I'm impressed with that. Now, if you went digging, you'd have, you'd have had Riddick, but if you were just doing it off memory, Riddick wouldn't. No, yeah, yeah. If it, you really had to dig for that, so I'm, I'm impressed, Tyler. But not really. He's at the top. He's at the top of all the stats list. Yeah, I didn't, <laughs> I didn't even realize it though. I mean, like if, if I had, had actually taken a look at the stats list and stuff like that, I'd be like, oh yeah, but it, I didn't, I didn't identify mm-hmm. it. That's the kicker. So. Uh, Tyler, we we're gonna obviously this Sunday is the big game. We got the Super Bowl. It's Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Kansas City Chiefs. You know, at, we didn't go over the score, scores this time because we know who's in the bowl. Everybody knows by this point. It's been almost two weeks, mm-hmm. so everybody kind of knows. Bills lost to the Chiefs in convincing fashion. The Buccaneers wound up wound up topping Aaron Rodgers and company. One thing I want to point out about that game, just while we're at it, Aaron Rodgers and and company. They got three interceptions in the second half of that football game. And the fact that Aaron Rodgers couldn't capitalize on it, I think is a testament to how good that Tampa Bay's Buccaneers defense is. That that's a, a, a big deal. And and really, with with how the Chiefs played with their defense, I think it was very easy for them to handle the Buffalo Bills. Buffalo Bills were so one-dimensional. Mm-hmm. You could tell that the Chiefs were dipping back into zone coverage and just dropping every guy into coverage. If you notice, they didn't blitz a whole lot in that game. Four-man rushes, five-man fronts, you know, they, they would bring five. That was about the max they brought. Everybody else was dipped into coverage and double coverage on the Bills, and, and Josh Allen, and the Bills were just such a pass-happy team. It, it was just really easy to And, and are unable. And they're to, unable to, to run. To run. Yeah, I mean, Devin Singletary I was... Mean, our two teams in the Super Bowl are both pass-heavy teams, but are, are able to Are run. able to run, yeah. You, you're talking At least Ronald, decently. Ronald Jones and, and, I mean, Leonard Fournette is actually, even though he had a bad season... The postseason, hey, he hasn't been bad. Right, he's been he's been putting up some numbers. So you got to like that. But uh, we do have Super Bowl news around the around the league, injury report stuff like that. So we'll we'll start over on the Chiefs side, the defending champions. We'll start with uh, the linebacker Willie Gay Jr. listed out after having surgery on a torn meniscus. That is a hit for them on that defense. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Chiefs defense isn't great. They were they they played a very strategy based game going into the Buffalo Bills game. It's going to be a different animal here. You got a team that can run and pass rather yeah, than just absolutely. pass. So uh, that that's going to be a hit having not having Willie Gay in there. Also, another big hit for them, and this this is where things could get ugly. And and I know Patrick Mahomes can make some plays with his legs, but not having Eric Fisher. Eric Fisher's out with an Achilles injury. He won't be playing in the Super Bowl. He's listed as out. That's a that's a big hit for them as well. There's going to be a lot of pressure on Patrick Mahomes, and there's going to be a lot of pressure with that running game. 
And speaking of the running game, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire actually has no injury designation going into the Super Bowl after having a questionable designation going into the AFC title game with ankle and hip injuries. He will be active in this game. Now, I don't know how much that's going to affect things. I'm not sure. But here's the kicker. Williams is the better player. He's the better runner. Oh, yeah. He's the better runner all Start around. Out. Edwards Hilaire was was picked up, and, and we talked about this on prior shows. He was picked up as a change of pace guy. Williams is the better runner. Williams has performed well with Edwards Hilaire out. The Chiefs need to get Williams involved. They need to put Edwards Hilaire in that change of pace role and not have them as him as his primary back. And and if they do that, the Chiefs have a I, I think the Chiefs have a much better chance of winning this game because they're going to have another weapon out there for for Patrick Mahomes. But the kicker about this. And the reason I say they need another weapon out there is Sammy Watkins is listed as questionable with a calf injury. Now, he missed the the AFC title game with the Bills. If he's, if he's out, if he winds up not being able to play this game, this game could get very ugly for the Chiefs in a hurry based on injuries. It could. Because, because at that point, you have Tyreek Hill. And the reason I say that is... Demarcus Robinson and Daniel Kilgore starting center. And this is why this, this offensive line is starting to, to get hurt. Daniel Kilgore and Demarcus Robinson land on the COVID-19 reserve list on Monday after a team barber tested positive for COVID-19 and was giving them haircuts. So Kilgore and Robinson are, are on the COVID list. They're probably going to miss the game based on COVID. And, and that's pretty awful. So you don't have Demarcus Robinson. And if Sammy Watkins goes out, all you got is Kelsey and Tyreek Hill. And I mean, I know I'm saying that's all you got. I mean, that's, I mean, if that shit, if that was all I had, I'd be ecstatic. But Sammy Watkins is a big part of this offense. And he's been a big part of this offense for a while in drawing people away from Tyreek Hill and getting open. Well, I, I think you're, I think you're um, selling Hardman short too. And, and Hardman. Because Watkins is the three guy there. Yeah. I mean, Hardman. I don't know. I, I think Hardman is a speedster. That's all Watkins is. That's all the whole team is. Speedsters. Well, I don't know if Watkins is just a speedster. I mean, Watkins, he's got the ability to make plays, you know, yeah. Watkins was, was fourth in the team in yards. Yeah. I, I Well, Watkins is also hurt for a lot of the season. I mean, he's been he's been injury prone his entire career. I just believe that you losing a weapon like that in Super Bowl, in the Super Bowl with, with a situation where you got uh, Demarcus Robinson out, now you got... Watkins out, so you're going to be with Hill and Miko Hardman. Plus Kelsey. Plus Kelsey. So, I mean, and it, it's good to get, get Clyde Edwards-Hilaire back, but you know Watkins is a big part of this team, and you know Watkins is the kind of guy, even though he was he he may not lead in yardage, but I guarantee he's drawing coverages. I can guarantee he draws the coverage away from Tyreek Hill. I think this that's going to be a hit for them. I think it's going to be, going to be a, a, a brutal hit if they can't get at least one of these guys on the field. The Chiefs also have Le'Veon Bell listed as questionable with a knee injury. It's not a huge hit for them because they will have Edwards Hellair back. Le'Veon, he, I mean, when he has gotten an opportunity, he's been okay. Williams is the best runner on that football team. And, 100%. And, and if you get Edwards Hellair out there in that change of pace role, that'll be really nice. And last but not least, their corner, Rashad Fenton, and uh, actually their corners, rather, Rashad Fenton and Legereus Sneed, um, both out. Fenton has a foot injury. Legereus Sneed has a concussion. They're both listed as questionable. Sneed is the bigger hit there. Yes. And and Sneed has been very good in the playoffs this year. I, I noticed him during the Buffalo game. He was very good in coverage. They tried to pick on him, and he did a, a good job. 
that that's going to be a hit on that defense. I I think the Chiefs have an opportunity to win this game, but they're gonna they're gonna have their work cut out for them with with Tom Brady and company, um, especially playing as hot as they are on the offensive side of the football right now. On the other side of things, the Bucks wide receiver Antonio Brown says he's getting close to returning after being listed doubtful earlier in the week with a knee injury. Could you imagine having that that trio back of uh, and I know Brown isn't you know putting up monster numbers or anything like that. Still a big help, especially with with ailing Chiefs cornerbacks. Exactly, and imagine having Evans, Godwin, mm-hmm. and Brown on the field all at the same time. Those three wide receiver sets. I, I mean, it, that could get a little scary. And then you also got OJ Howard, and you got Gronk, and you, I mean, they they they've got a. And we've been talking about how Tom Brady has an embarrassment of riches over there in Tampa. That's been a, a thing I've said throughout the season. It's just an embarrassment of riches. And and that's what they've got going on right now. I, that's that's going to be interesting if Brown takes the field this Sunday. I mean, he was listed as doubtful, but now he's getting close to being back. Mm. Another big hit for the Bucks. Jordan, safety Jordan Whitehead uh, listed as doubtful with shoulder and knee injuries. Bucks secondary Whitehead's been very good for them, and they they also have another issue with safety Antoine Winfield Jr. He's listed as questionable with an ankle injury. Safety is becoming an issue for the Bucks. I would love to see Antoine Winfield Jr. playing in that game. Uh, I love his dad, obviously, former Viking, mm-hmm. um, and and Winfield has been instrumental to the Bucks' defensive success this year, uh, especially in pass coverage. He's very, very good in uh, run support. Gotta like uh, Antoine Winfield here. I hope he gets to be able to take the field. Bucks defensive end Jason Pierre-Paul. He has no injury designation for his knee in spite of not practicing all week. This sounds like they gave him an injury designation just so he could rest up. Yeah. But the club will be on the field, <laughs> as I like to call him. The club will be there, you know, ready to, to club guys in the head and, and do what he's got to do. Old hammer hand there. And then uh, last but not least, the Bucks linebacker, Levante David, he's listed as questionable with a hamstring injury. That's another kind of a hit, too, Levante David. Bucks linebackers have played really well, especially Shaq Barrett this year. Levante David's been huge in his role. That's that the the linebackers honestly have been more of a uh, um, the the integral part of that defense this year. If if I had to say anything, you know, outside of Antoine Winfield, you know, oh yeah, that those, those linebackers, especially Shaq Shaq Barrett, man, scary, scary, scary. Lots of lots of pass rush. So you got to like the Bucks linebacking crew, and and that's all the the news for the bowl. Now Tyler, we've got. The big game coming up. We've got Tom Brady playing in his tenth Super Bowl. First team to play at home at their Super Bowl, playing no, their home stadium. No cannons. No cannons. Officially. Officially, no cannons. Nope, it's got to be neutral, so they say they cannot use the cannons. Oh wow! So, but they, I mean, it's not going to be neutral regardless. I mean, you know, some sorry son of a bitch is going to have a cannon like outside the uh, <laughs> you know, outside the stadium, just firing it off in the parking lot. Trying to make all kinds of noise. Bucks first team to play in the home at in their home stadium in the Super Bowl. Tom Brady, go figure, he's the guy to do it. Tenth Super Bowl, can Brady pull it off for the tenth Super Bowl? And I know you're hoping that he doesn't. I know you hate Tom Brady. I know I don't like Tom Brady. I'm rooting for the Chiefs here. I am rooting for him. Do you think Tom Brady pulls it off against the Kansas City Chiefs, who who honestly are are suffering an injury bug right now and a COVID bug now? I don't know, like watching the Chiefs play last week, it, it appears their offense is just too dominant yeah. at times, and Brady still makes his mistake. Brady has not been great in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know. I I don't. It's going to be a tight one. I think we're talking three points. 
Yeah. I think we're talking a three-point spread here because the Chiefs' defense hasn't been anything to write home about for three years now. For three years. I mean, they, they really haven't. Their defense has been bad. So I'm calling Chiefs. I'm going to call Chiefs here. And and, and I, I think that even if the – unless the Chiefs – and and look, I, I get that, that Patrick Mahomes is just the king of postseason comeback. Let's be real. He, he is. Mm-hmm. All last season, down 20-plus points, coming back, firing back, you know, killing guys. I get it. King of postseason comeback. You're going to have to put him and the Chiefs, and that's the key to this game. If the Bucks can put the Chiefs in a hole so deep by halftime, before they wake up, because you know the Chiefs are going to wake up at halftime, the Bucks win the game. I would agree. That's the only way the Bucks win this game. I think that they have to put the Chiefs in such a deep hole. We're talking 35 points, 28 to 35 points. I can't even say 28 because we saw 28 to 3. We saw what happened with, with Brady and, and the Falcons. Mm-hmm. So I can't. So you're talking 30 points or more. If they can put 30 points before halftime up and put the Chiefs in a 30-point hole, I think they've got this thing wrapped up. But that's what they have to do. That's what has to happen. And if Patrick Mahomes wakes up and these Chiefs wake up and that that sleeping giant and you don't have that 30-point pillow, that little cushion there, you're going to get ended by Patrick Mahomes. I'm calling Chiefs in this game because I don't think the Bucs can put 30 points by halftime. So what I should do is pick the Bucs because I'm, I'm a game off on our, on our playoff predictions. Yep. But congratulations, you won the playoff bet because I cannot <laughs> – I cannot – Cannot, cannot, cannot do it. Yep. I, I, I cannot put my, my, uh, my, my badge of uh, picking on, on Tom Brady. Yep. Cannot, won't. I'll take the loss. <laughs> Pick and choose. You just hate him so much. You hate him. So, and Super Bowl MVP, I believe, again, it's going to wind up being Patrick Patty Mahomes. Mahomes. The only way it doesn't go to Patty Mahomes is if Tyree Kill just blows. Poor Kelsey. Yeah, or Kelsey just blows up. If either of those guys blow up, and Kelsey has been having a hell of a postseason, mm-hmm. by the way. Leads the team in yards. Right. So top five, uh, or top ten rather, top ten biggest players, is that what we've got? Another another edition? Yeah, it's going to be top ten um, Super Bowl X-Factors. Yep. Hit me. Number ten, Winfield. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm go- this is all this based on everyone playing. Yeah. Um, He's going to have a very interesting job trying to uh, – be the last guy that Hill has to go through. Yep. And watching Mahomes and trying to study Mahomes, if he can have a good game, it's going to build well for the Bucks. Winfield's going to have to dip into some coverage. He's going to have to, to, you know, help out his corners. This isn't going to be a situation where he's going to be able to come up and blast running backs in the face. Um, and that's what he kind of did when it when it came to uh, some of the other games where he, you know he was recovering uh, uh, fumbles and whatnot. He. He's going to have to back up and play coverage. He's not going to be able to be that run support safety that mm-hmm. that he has been. So that's what this is going to turn into. Number nine, Honey Badger. Oh yeah. Um, he's got he's got to make he's got to bait Brady make Brady make Brady make mistakes. If Brady throws three picks in the Super Bowl, the game's over. Yes. Um, the Chiefs' offense is not going to is not going to stagnate and not, and not score. So he's going to have to come up and cover Mike Evans. Nobody's going to be able to handle Mike Evans. There, there. I don't think Rashad Breeland is capable. No. And that's the problem. So he's going to have to come up and, and be in coverage as well. The Bucks are loaded with weapons. They're loaded with, with – I mean, Godwin is going to be on the other side. I think Godwin is containable. I think, I think if you, you 
they they might even what what you could see realistically you could see Brashad Breeland on Godwin one on one and then put the other corner on Mike Evans and have Tyron Matthew come up and join up with that guy and double Mike Evans. You can't Evans. forget about Brown either. And, and that's dependent if he plays. I mean, yeah. I'm not understanding he was he was listed as doubtful. Now he's getting closer to being healthy. Okay. You know, but it, that's going to have to be what, what uh, Tyron Matthew's going to do. He's not going to be able to be that run support safety that they like so much. Right. All right, cheated a little bit in this list. Oh, boy. Number eight, Bucks receiving core. Yeah. <laughs> if, if they're on if they're on point and they don't have the drops, it's going to bold well for the Bucks. They had a case of the dropsies for the last couple of weeks, especially uh, Evans in particular. I don't know what's going on, if the guy's losing some confidence or what. Making a lot of key drops over the middle of the field. And and sometimes, you know, Brady lets the ball soar on him and get get away from him a little bit. But the the big thing about it is is uh, Evans is going to have, in particular, uh, Godwin has been a little better than Evans in that department, but Evans in particular has been dropping passes like crazy this offseason, or this postseason, rather. I don't understand what the hell is going on, because you don't normally see that on Mike Evans. He right. makes, and, and he's been making some big plays, getting in the end zone and stuff like that, but Mike Evans... We got to see him make those key catches and not have those dropsies because that's going to be a big problem for the Bucks. Number seven, Travis Kelsey. Oh yeah. If he gets into his zone, it's going to, it's going to get bad quick. I'm surprised you have him so low on the list because Travis Kelsey has been such a huge factor mm-hmm. for the Chiefs all postseason and really throughout the entire season. Getting hit a lot of times, he's making almost double digit catches. I mean, like we're, it's a lot of stuff. He had a, a hell of a, a couple of great games throughout the the playoffs. Patrick Mahomes' favorite target, really. Yep. I mean, it, everybody thinks it's Tyree Kill, but if you look at the receptions that that Travis Kelsey is pulling in and yards, yeah, Tyree Kill has not been the favorite. It's been more toward Travis Kelsey. Yep. Um, and I think that's a testament to how great of a uh, tight end Travis Kelsey is. Number six, Tom Brady. If Brady gets into his zone, if Brady plays like the Brady that he, he's done in the in the regular season, this could get bad. Yeah, I, I think, you know, Tom Brady's been so hit or miss mm-hmm. throughout the entire season. But it's been about 4,600 yards and 40 touchdowns, though. That's the Brady that you don't want to be in the Super Bowl. Right, and and Brady right now, he's is he hot? See, here's the thing about, about the last couple of games. Brady was hot in the first half, and I'm not even going to say he was hot. Brady was making very, very clutch throws on very specific third-down situations. If you noticed, especially in that first half, he had the one deep ball to, to Evans, the the one, and he had he's had deep balls to Scotty Miller. We we've seen that, but there were a lot of situations, especially in that first drive. That first drive of the NFC title game, how many he hit what five first five third down first down? Uh, you know Something where he like got, that, yeah. yeah. I mean it, he third downed all the way down the field and and scored and and it was impressive so um i i think i'm i think you're absolutely right if brady kicks it into gear the way he has been but brady he can't taper off in that second half no he has to maintain control because if they don't maintain that ball control and you put that ball back in patrick mahomes's hands i don't care how good your defense is patrick mahomes will eat somebody alive so that's where it's because it, it was scary. uncharacteristic for um I'm gonna if if Bucks and uh, Packers play that same game a right. times, Rodgers doesn't screw up that way the other 99 times. You you got no. Rodgers in a weird way in that second half. Yeah, yeah, and Rodgers he 
He doesn't. Rodgers doesn't 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 have fizzled drives. He just doesn't. Yep. He doesn't have three turnovers where he can't put points up. He's going to put points up on at least two of them. You know, I mean, and and I don't think that's a testament yeah, and, to the Bucks defense. I think it was just a testament to Aaron Rodgers having and an off day, day, but yeah. off half, off set half. Yeah. So I mean, that's that's what it was because that second half was rough for him. Number five, Tyreek Hill. Mm-hmm. Is he going to be if he if he starts getting these big plays early? It's going to frustrate that defense. Yep, and this is this is the guy. This is what I'm talking about. Where the safeties are going to have to come up and play him. They're going to have to come up and and uh, uh, play coverage. You're not going to be able to have that run support. I think that running game is going to get really interesting. They're going to make them rely on the run. Yep, hundred percent. Yep. Number four, Tampa Bay offensive line. What we've all known about the about Tom Brady is if you hit him early and often. He gets frustrated and he makes mistakes. They got to keep Brady on his feet. Yeah. The thing about Brady and and I, I mean recently he's shown he's gotten a uh, he has a cannon, I guess sort of in a way. His passes so he's been putting up these deep balls, and they haven't been super deep balls. You know, like yeah, they they've been making a bigger deal out of them. I think it, yeah, you got to keep Brady vertical, but I think it's more predicated on Brady getting the ball out. And yeah, if they, if they give enough time, that's, that's part of it too. If 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 they can give Brady enough time to throw that, to hold, give him time to hold on to that ball, right. the receiving core is so good. They're they're, they're gonna there's gonna be someone open. Yeah, Brady's got to stay vertical, but but I think I think Brady, you know, if he gets the ball out quickly, they're gonna have to run. They're gonna have to run Michael Thomas stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Michael yeah. Thomas, yeah, it's gonna have to be slants. It's gonna have to be short that short passing. And game. on that same note, number three, Frank Clark. It's it's gonna be it's gonna be his main job to disrupt that line to to get that offense to have to change their play. And let's also point out Chris Jones. Chris Jones too. Chris Jones. I mean, uh, the two of them, I think, have been lights out scary. Um, and and they've been making that the Chiefs' defense look better than they are. Mm-hmm. Fair. I mean, I, yeah. I I think I think those two make the Chiefs' defense look better than they are. I I think that that Frank Clark is is a tremendous. Uh, he was a tremendous asset when he got picked up. Chris Jones has always been good. Um, yeah, they're gonna they're gonna have to hit Brady, and they're gonna have to get inside. And they're gonna have to do it quickly. I think I think Bruce Arians realizes this, and I think Bruce Arians, knowing him, he's got Brady getting ready to fire out quick passes. I I believe that. Yep. Number two, Patrick Mahomes. Two, two, two. Okay. Uh, for obvious reasons, um, yep. Patrick, if Mahomes is on his A game, there's. there's we're not, we're not even a conversation right now. Scary, scary, scary. Yeah, I, I think Mahomes, uh, and, and a lot of it comes out of Patrick Mahomes' second half game. Yeah. That, that's the big thing for Mahomes. I mean, uh, like, let's be real. We've, we've talked about this. I've, I've hammered on it this show. You know, Mahomes' passing game in the second half is just frightening. You, and it's also, if you turn loose a guy like Shaq Barrett, can you get away from Shaq Barrett? You know? And... and- so we're talking about play Super Bowl X factors, mm-hmm. and that's why I, I made the decision to put Mahomes at two. Yeah, because there's one other thing that if, if they if this goes at like 100 percent best, then the Bucks win this game. Mm-hmm. Number one is and it's a cheat. Yeah, Tampa Bay linebackers, specifically yep. Levante David, Shaquille Barrett, Devin White. Yep, at least one of them is going to be on Kelsey. Yep, at least one of them. Is going to be watching Mahomes, probably even two of them. I think if those three guys can get their shit together and contain Mahomes, contain Kelsey, this gets ugly. They're gonna they're gonna have to play contain. I think what's what's going to go on is so Mahomes is going to get the ball, right? 
And he's if, if it's a passing down, depending on which side of the line he goes to, because he likes to roll out, he likes to use his legs, he likes to scramble a little bit and make those those throws while he's on the run. He's known for that. They're gonna they're gonna have whichever side he goes to, they're gonna have that linebacker coming in to hit yep. him. And and that's the the I think it's particular to the two outsides. The two outside linebackers, that's that's gonna be the those are gonna be the guys that are gonna go, huh? Okay, there he goes. Oh, he's going to this side. All right. Well, he's on me now, so I'm going to go get him. It, I mean, it's, it's probably going to fall more on Shaquille Barrett. Yeah. But um, don't be surprised if you see speedster Devin White mm-hmm. and um and Lante David coming in to for support on on, on times. Yeah. The and pending it, where Kelsey's at in the field. It's funny that that you say that because I I you know we were just talking about it earlier. You know, oh that that Bucks linebacking crew has been the, the thing about that defense. I agree with you. I think these linebackers. Are going to be to me that game's going to be won on how those linebackers perform. Yep, at that second level. Mm-hmm. Yep, I, I 100. That's why agree. I have Matt one because I'm, I'm looking at ceilings and basements here, and, and yep. if you put the Bucks linebackers at the at the top of their ceiling, they win this game. Yeah, I agree. So, and uh, that is the conclusion of the Super Bowl, the Super Bowl episode. Tyler's top ten, long one. Long one, yeah, it was good. Threw some surprises at you, yeah. Little, little two-hour episode. I'm good with that. That's about right. And uh, super excited, Tyler. Have you gotten a massage yet? I have not. God damn it! Get a massage. What the hell's the matter with you? And then, um, so thank you. I want to say thank you to our uh, sponsor, It's Your Time Massage. Amanda's wonderful. People come get a massage. You can check her out iytmassage.com, or you can check her out on Facebook at It's Your Time Massage. Uh, Book yourself a massage. It's your time. It's good stuff. I get one every now and then. So it's wonderful. Just every now and then? Every now and then. Tyler, we got uh, Super Bowl next show. We're going to be talking a little bit about the, the free agency stuff on the next show. We're going to talk a little bit about draft stuff. We're going to talk about teams and team needs. We're going to get into that a little bit. Uh, we know our least valuable players now, our most valuable players. I'm going to start getting a list together of all of our free agents. We're going to start going to two weeks. Every two weeks, we're going to be you're going to be doing a show for the off season as per the norm, and uh, we'll jump in with that. You excited? Oh yeah, yeah. So uh, we're we're going to jump into that. We got we're going to probably have a little more coaching carousel going on. I'm sure that we're probably going to have some trades and shit going mm-hmm. on. Um, Two weeks from now, though, we'll be talking a little bit about the bowl and, and the stuff we've seen and, and whatever the case may be. So um, thank you so much for listening, folks. And uh, shout out to the Steel Boys, by the way. I want to give them a shout out because they, they're they they're hooking up the, the Super Bowl party this year up in Traverse. And, and we're excited for that. Um, leaving tomorrow, 10 a.m., bright and early. Oof. Oh, yeah. 10 a.m. After, after working that overnight shift. Yeah. Going to go up, hang out with the Steel Boys. Have a great time. They got peanut butter pie, Tyler. Peanut butter pie. Come on, come on. Yeah, see you. You're I'll not be working, so you're not excited because because peanut butter pie you have not tried. You like that? I have not had it. Peanut butter pie you have not tried. You like so that? Dumb. I'm like fucking Yoda. <laughs> but thank you so much for listening, Steel Boys. We will be up there, and uh, hope everybody has a wonderful Super Bowl Sunday. Enjoy it. Um, Enjoy the big game, folks, and we will be back here in two weeks right here on the Outside Blitz. Join us soon on the Outside Blitz, and be sure to follow on Facebook at facebook.com backslash the Outside Blitz, and feel free to email us questions at theoutsideblitz at gmail.com.